The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? This is the Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson here, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it because this is just an intro keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go boy yeah from tampa bay to the tokyo dome this is keeping it strong style with your hosts jeremy donovan and the young boy joshua smith and thank you for listening welcome to keeping it strong style the ace of podcasts on the social suplex podcast network Jeremy Dominic here with Chris Samsa from sportofprowrestling.com. On today's show, we'll be previewing G1 Climax 31, answering listener questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com. With features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. Uh, young boy Josh Smith is uh, still out this week. He's in uh, Michigan for the, the family funeral. So you guys keep uh, your keep Josh in your thoughts and prayers this week. Uh, but I do have Chris from Sport Pro Wrestling, our man, frequent guest here on the show. Chris, how are you doing, man? Hey, I'm okay. I'm a, I'm a touch under the weather with something other than COVID. Um, I got the got the swab in the nose, but I'm mm. um, coming out of it. I think it's allergies. Chicago allergy season is brutal right now, so if I sound different, uh, that's what that's all about. Or if I mute myself and disappear for a second, it's because I got to do a big sniffle. But um, <laughs> generally I'm doing good. I'm feeling better today than I am yesterday because yesterday I probably wouldn't have been sitting here with you. So happy it worked out. Glad I can be here for the G1. It is G1 season and that is uh, it's my favorite season of the year. Um, regardless of how the rest of the world feels about it, I'm excited <laughs> and uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. Yeah, man, I can't help but get hyped up for G1. Yes, I know the lineups are it's not as strong as in previous years, but it's G1. There's still a ton of great wrestlers. There's going to be a ton of great matches, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, I mean, what's not to be excited about? I mean, a bunch of singles matches, really good wrestlers. I mean, New Japan Pro Wrestling is still the best wrestling on the planet. I mean, there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. In ring, they do it the best. Um, and, I, you know, I, I don't know that I uh, – we'll get into it, but I don't know that I wholeheartedly agree that the 
um, lineups aren't great or aren't strong. It's just that they're not exciting. And we see um, an American promotion in AEW that's doing a lot of exciting things right now. So the the difference is that those exciting things are um, entrances and uh, music hitting and somebody crazy walking (laughs) out as opposed to like what's actually happening in the ring. So I think that for those who enjoy pro wrestling in a ring, um, the G1 is still going to be the place to be uh, for the next month. Yep. And before we dive into the G1, two uh, quick things. First of all, our 200th episode of Keeping a Strong Style, we are two weeks away from the 200th episode, and we want you guys to be a part of it. If you guys would send your favorite memories and thoughts of the show in a short audio clip, one or two minutes long, or if you don't like your voice, you can send in a, a written note uh, to me. And we will include all the audio in the 200th episode of Keeping a Strong Style. So you can email me your audio or note to jeremy at socialsuplex.com by September 25th. And you'll hear all that audio and notes on the 200th episode in two weeks. Also, our good friend Rocky Romero reached out. He was on the 100th episode and wants to be a part of the 200th episode. So Rocky will also be on the show joining us. So Mark your calendars, two weeks, get your uh, audio in. It's going to be a fun episode. And then the uh, second thing we've got to talk about before we get to G1, the the thing that's been blowing up Twitter, it's taken Twitter by storm, the Suzuki incident, which happened last week on AEW Dynamite. John Moxley <clears throat> defeated Minoru Suzuki on Dynamite, but, you know, we, we didn't get something on Dynamite. We didn't get the, the Kaze Nina Ray that we, we normally get during a Minoru Suzuki entrance. And, and this just set Twitter on blaze. And friend of the show, Dan Coffin, asks, what were you doing at the exact moment of the Suzuki incident? I was watching Dynamite. <laughs> um, ready to fire off a snarky tweet, which I did. Um shortly thereafter and i didn't expect to need it but uh yeah no i was watching watching dynamite and i immediately noticed that they turned the music off and i was like oh they must be running really late because (laughs) that is not something that i you know i mean i am a fan of AEW. i was at all out i um i think they do a good job as american wrestling goes and i i kind of understand that tony khan is a wrestling fan and he, I think, uh, he cut JR's mic during Kaze Ninare during the pay-per-view. So, like, it's not like he doesn't know or they don't know that that's a thing. So I was very surprised they turned the music off. I was very surprised the match went as short as it did, even though, obviously, if you look at the clock, you know what happened. So I, of course, pulled up the New Japan match and fired out the tweet and got all those hundreds and <laughs> hundreds of retweets and thousands of likes and it'll be my my second most engaging tweet of the year probably um so that uh, i got that going for me i guess but yeah it was, it was but but really the suzuki incident stems from a different tweet um, <laughs> uh, of someone taking it uh, remarkably seriously um and now it, it has turned into a meme uh which is is incredible um but yeah i was i was watching dynamite where were you jeremy yeah i i too was also uh watching dynamite uh over at my girlfriend's house and yeah you know i was all jacked up suzuki versus moxley 
Zuka's coming out. I'm getting ready to go scream Kazanina Ray in my girlfriend's ear. And, and, then, and then the music just cuts off. And I was just like, what? What's going on? How can you cut off Kazanina Ray? Uh, but you know, Dynamite, it's a packed two hours, man. And they, they run every minute out. And yeah, this obviously they're short on time. Had to cut the music. But obviously it seems like AW is going to turn this into a positive um Suzuki and Archer, Suzuki Goon uh, reunion. They're going to be calling out Moxley and Kingston this week. They're they're running with the Suzuki uh, incident on their Twitter and social media, so it's now canon. Um, and yeah, and the memes were just hilarious. I, I contributed a, a Nick Aldis uh, quote into the uh, Suzuki incident, so just some great stuff. It's really phenomenal uh, how the internet can take something and and make it into something uh, something great, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, similar question from EMJ does PR, but he also asked how you felt and the impact it's had on your wrestling fandom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm no longer a fan. Um, I'm, I'm merely an analyst now. <laughs> um, <no. laughs> I mean, I respect the hustle of AEW turning it around and making it something of their own. Um, and you know what? I respect the hustle of someone taking it super seriously too. So it's a, it's a really big deal to some people. Yeah. I mean, I love new Japan. I love Suzuki. I love screaming Kaze Nina Ray, but I don't think I love it to the point of where I'm going to, you know, throw my, my neck out there and then get slaughtered for it. I'm certainly not calling for heads either. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm willing to uh, jump in on all the jokes. So, uh, question here from Hawaiian Punch VB: Is it time to close the Forbidden Door forever after the Suzuki incident? <clears throat> I think we should open it wider. <laughs> I mean, the Forbidden Door is just a hallway at this point, so um, I don't even know if there's a door attached anymore. So I don't think uh, I don't think that's a door worth closing at this very moment. Yeah, I mean, we're getting exciting matchups and moments. Uh, I mean, clearly, yes, you know. Suzuki incident was, you know, obviously not the best thing to happen, but we're getting a lot of great matchups, a lot of great buzz. It's, it's helping, you know, New Japan, you know, get some kind of buzz, some kind of positive talk in the, you know, the wrestling social verse. Uh, next question here from Dom Homie 101. Thoughts on Suzuki's appearance on AEW Dynamite? Will we ever see a New Japan guy get a victory in the AEW ring, and does and do people in Conlanning do a better job of introducing the NJPW wrestlers to the audience? I don't know that that's what um, I don't know that that's the purpose of of appearances on on Dynamite or AEW programming. I don't know that considering these guys aren't long term characters on their show, so these guys are making one off appearances, and I think that AEW by putting them in the ring mostly with John Moxley makes them into a pretty big deal, right? Because he's a big star for them. He's, he's one of their top guys. So you've got John Moxley fighting these Japanese wrestlers, and you've got to figure that that's because they mean something in New Japan. So I think that kind of by proxy, they end up um, getting some attention. Now, would I like to see someone come over that is a little more of a questionable match, right? Where like, Moxley could lose and it could build to something different and, and they could set something up for um, for a, a New Japan show or even just another AEW show. 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, that I think would be the next step if the if the relationship stays the way it is and gets deeper. I think at some point you got to send someone over that can beat Moxley and it'll mean something, right? I mean, even if that's Tanahashi and they're waiting on the U.S. title match, um, I think that that's the next step. But otherwise, I think it's cool to get some of these guys out here in front of fans. I mean, that's the thing that they all seem to say or tweet about or talk about um, kind of behind the scenes is like they all want to come to America and they want to work AEW because they want to work in front of a big, loud building. Um, And because that's what they're used to and that's what pro wrestling is all about. And they haven't had a chance to do that in 18 to 20 months now. So, um, you know, the more they want to come over and, and get those big cheers and feel good about themselves that bring them on over and put them in the ring with moxley or kingston or archer or whoever right right and yeah. um and i think that that's it's a it is a cool relationship and it's something cool that um you know new japan can give them the time to to get over there and, and do it yeah i absolutely agree with you man and, and first of all i i think that you know you can kind of consider john moxley a new japan guy i mean he was the iwgp u.s champion uh, for you know over a year and so he's a quote-unquote new japan guy that's you know being pushed very hard and, and getting wins and also you look at some of the guys that they brought in like uh hikaleo he picked up some wins on dark ren narita picked up the win on dark um so when they bring these new japan guys in they do try to give them some credibility and build them up as they are headed into their their big programs and like you said you know they are not you know mainstay guys you can't spend a whole ton of tv time building them up and trying to educate the AEW fans. I think, you know, the New Japan partnership, that's a kind of a cool thing for fans who are in the know and who know New Japan and are big wrestling fans. It's kind of a cool thing for them. So if you already know, you know. If you don't know, then you just have to catch up. And so, like you mentioned, I I think it's great seeing guys like Kojima and Suzuki come over and get these big matches. And we're, we're even seeing it spill over where we have, like, Archer, competing on resurgence. Um, so a lot of great things are coming from this partnership. I thought Suzuki appearance, obviously besides you know, the music getting cut off, I thought it was great. I mean, it was a short match, but it was short. It was violent, uh, hard-hitting, and clearly it's leading to more stuff. Uh, Suzuki's in the U.S. through the duration of the G1 Climax. He's doing his big independent tour all over the indies, and then it looks like all his Wednesdays are free, and clearly they're going to be doing some stuff with Archer and Suzuki and Moxley and Kingston, and it's probably going to be a big match at Arthur Ashe Stadium in a tag match. Yeah, and I think you have to include the all-out appearance in Suzuki's you know appearance yeah. um, with AEW, and that was huge. I mean, that was that was a huge moment for everyone in the building. It was a huge moment for the pay per view, and if you didn't know who that guy was, you knew he was a big deal. So, I mean, to be truthful, like there's no introduction needed for a guy who gets that kind of reaction. That's when you head to the Google machine and you figure out who this guy is and why these people are so excited. Like you can't you can't baby step everyone through everything. And if you're interested in wrestling outside of AEW or even just the American bubble, like you can find some stuff about Minoru Suzuki after uh, a reaction like that and after honestly the internet's reaction to cutting <laughs> off his music. So, right. I you know, I think this could be one of the best things that's happened for Suzuki. Um, and not that he's not one of the most popular Japanese wrestlers in America anyway. Um, but he probably made some new fans by this whole thing. 
Yeah, and I think it's just one of those things where a lot of people are accustomed to the WWE-style things where every five minutes they're reminding you of something and showing a replay and hammering home their verbiage and their terminology and what they want you to know. And it's like AEW just treats their fans more smarter than that. Like, they'll tell you once, and then they'll, they'll bring it out. If you don't know, then yeah. There's this fun thing called Google. There's this fun thing called YouTube. You can slap a name in it and figure it out. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know if the plan was to do this tag match or if it, um, if this came of it as a make good, but either way, that's, that's going to be fun too. I mean, and I, you know, a guy like Eddie Kingston's probably – over the moon, you know. Oh, yeah, he, he's salvaging get in on that stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, listen, it, it turns out turns out a positive. Um, and I think uh, I think who knows? Maybe there's another appearance left in in Suzuki in the U.S. with AEW. Like you said, he's here forever. So <laughs> I mean, he's here. He's here for a long time. He's got dates through. Um, he's got a lot of dates. So yeah. he's he's doing a full U.S. indie tour and. That man's gonna he's gonna work himself to the bone. So <laughs> yeah, it's almost like it, it it almost feels like a like a retirement tour. Like I don't think that's what it is, but like he's doing that much where it's like he's gonna go everywhere and he took every booking he could get and good on him. I mean, like because he had a good run in the G one last year, so he definitely could have just stayed home and done that, but he was probably like, Hey, I wanna get out and, and do some something a little different this fall. Right. And, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, he's probably just living it out. Like, you never know when your, your last day is going to be, when your last match is going to be. He loves working in the U.S., which I'm sure there's a ton of guys he wanted to work. And, you know, he's supposed to do a lot of stuff WrestleMania weekend in 2020 uh, before COVID hit. So I'm sure there's a lot of cool stuff that he wants to do, get it out of the way. Because you never know. I mean, it could get worse. Lockdown's going to get worse. He might have a hard time getting to the U.S. So while I can get over, yeah, why not come in here, you know, work with young guys, work with some, some dream matches, get on AWTV. More Suzuki, more better. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's uh, shift gears here and talk about G1 Climax 31. If we have any new listeners or anybody new to New Japan, I'll give you a quick overview here. So G1 Climax, there are 20 participants split into two equal blocks, A block and B block. Each entrant will wrestle each other in the block to score points. Winning a match scores two points. A time limit draw scores one point. Losing a match, double countout, or double DQ scores zero points. All matches, excluding the final, have a 30-minute time limit, making draws plausible. The wrestler with the most points at the end of the final nights of block action will win their block and move to the final, which will see the winner of the A block face the winner of the B block. If the blocks are finalized and there is a tie on points, the winner is decided via head-to-head tiebreaker. That means if, for example, Okada and Tanahashi finished with equal points, but Okada defeated Tanahashi in the block match, then Okada will progress to the final. Whoever wins the final will officially be the winner of the G1 Climax 31. They reward a contract guaranteeing them the right to challenge for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom 16. Uh, we had a question here from Rambone Slam Pig. Is Gato going to curse us with another 2018 style bullet club? Get the cute constantly, or is this going to go in any other direction? I mean, there's a lot of bullet club presence in this tournament, um, but I don't think that's the direction. Um, and that's just a gut instinct. I think if anything, you're going to see 
house of torture bs right mm-hmm. um I, I think the the bullet club classic or whatever bullet club original guys i think you know chase owens tamatanga tangaloa like i think those guys are going to do their usual stuff um not necessarily the the dq thing you know i i worry about evil and yujiro i mean yujiro could be a wash like they could absolutely do that thing with yujiro um with the presence oh and, and kenta too i guess kenta i think he's been pretty good in the g1s too um where he's just kind of um actually just overall he's he's he hasn't been super um egregious with the cheating so but i think you could see it from Yujiro and evil i think that's the direction that that group is going to end up going in but i don't know that i don't know that a I see a like DQ every match thing happening because evil they I'm sure is going to be a player, someone who's going to be in it uh, all the way to the end or, or close to the end. Um, but yeah, you could you could punt on you and do some goofy stuff with with that block. Yeah, I think evil's probably going to be the main culprit that will have a lot of interference in his matchup. I think another guy to look out for is Tamatonga, just based off of his last G one. Uh, I think it was 2018 when that had the whole Bull Club Civil War going on, and he, he was going after Kenny and all that stuff, and he just didn't really have a great G1. There was a lot of interference like Fale and uh, Tangelo and stuff like that. So I think Evil and Tamatango will be will be the main victims there. But, you know, Yujiro was in G1 last year. Uh, there wasn't a ton uh, cheating from him. Uh, and like you mentioned, Kenta, he's usually pretty good, and his cheating is not that bad. I mean, when he, he does he does cheat, but it's not like Evil and you have 20 people running out. Um, so yeah, it shouldn't be as heavy and I know there's a lot of bullet club, but it shouldn't be as bad as we think it's going to be. Then, uh, next question here from EMJ does PR question for SAMHSA. We hear a lot of complaints about match times and want to better understand are new Japan match times actually trending longer. Looking at the past couple G one average ma- match length, are they relatively the same or are they also trending longer? So let's just work backwards. So G130, average match length, 15 minutes and 43 seconds. 29, uh, 1509, 28, 1424, 27, 1416, 26, 1242, and G125, 1253. So between uh, G126, which is 2016, and G127, uh, which is 2017, there's about a, a, about a minute and a half jump up in the average. Um, from there, it has crept up a touch to last year. You know, last year was the highest at 1543. Um, so yes, but also no, right? I mean, it's hard to it's hard to say. Are are New Japan matches in general getting longer? Yeah. So the average match this this calendar year is longer than the previous three which is the the years that i have uh full data on so but we also haven't had the g1 yet and the g1 actually brings the average match length down um because especially in singles matches if i just kind of parse that out um it brings it down i mean 1543 as an average is not a lot like those aren't that's not a long average match i mean when the longest match you can have is 30 minutes and a lot of these new Japan main events right now are going 30 plus around 30, but over 
right? Um, mm-hmm. You're going to see the average come down when you have 90 matches over the next month. Um, that will probably average about 15 and a half to 16 minutes. Um, so that's going to that's gonna drop the average down a bit. So it's hard for me to analyze without full sets of data. Um, but once the G1's in, I'll, I'll be able to really you know, give a, a better answer on that probably. But in general, yeah, I mean, I think the main events have been a little longer than, than, than they had been before, but not, I don't think it's as bad as people think it is. I think people are just complaining. Yeah. And also too, it's almost a victim of circumstance. Obviously, you know, they, they feel like they have to give people their money's worth and they, they want to have, you know, these two and a half, three hour shows. And when you only have a card that has, five or six matches, you know, matches have to go long when they want to give people a big main event and send them home happy. So I I can understand why they've been trying to, you know, bump the match time and even matches, you know, like tag title matches that normally wouldn't get a 34, 35 plus minute times. They're going that long. But yeah, ultimately I I think it's just because of COVID that we're seeing such a dramatic increase in, in the main event time picture there. I mean, but we also had, a main event at the first night of the MetLife Dome shows that went 17 minutes. True. Yeah. Right. So I don't think it's hard and fast. I think that it's, it's, there are some of these matches and stories that merit having good long matches. I mean, a three way tag match, you got six guys in there. Yeah. Um, that's fine for that to go long. I, I don't, I, that makes sense. Like if you're bringing reality into it, it makes sense that that type of match is going to go longer than your standard tag or your singles match. So, um, you know, and I, I can kind of defend that all day, but I, I mean, I understand, I think both sides of the equation there. Um, you know, I think AEW dynamite last week had less than 38 minutes of, of actual wrestling on it mm. also. So, I don't know. There's a balance between those two things, I think. Yeah. So, you know, when I look at a two hour show that had, you know, 37 minutes plus uh, of, of actual wrestling and, and most of that gets cut in half or cut by a quarter or so with a commercial break in the middle of matches, because apparently that's the least important thing on their TV show that they can. I mean, you can't you can't do a commercial break in the middle of a promo. Right. Unless it's Chris Jericho reading off a list. But <laughs> but like. I don't know when, when you're cutting into the actual pro wrestling on your pro wrestling show, I started to have questions about, you know, what the motives are. Right. And, and I get it, right. Like that's a TV show. Everyone's got a reason for everything, but you're telling me, and I I could run it back on what it actually got aired. And I'm sure it's probably 25 minutes that actually got aired of actual pro wrestling on the pro wrestling show (laughs) on dynamite. So I mean, there's there's somewhere in between those two things. Um, there's somewhere in between the long New Japan, you know, main event style, which has become just the house style, and not sh- actually showing pro wrestling on your pro wrestling show. Yeah, definitely that that, that kind of hard balance to find. I understand. Well, obviously, with two hour TV show, you have a ton of stars. You got you got a ton of segments, a ton of stuff you got to do. But ultimately, that that's what always keeps me coming back to New Japan. You know, the straight bell to bell action. Uh, you know, not getting cut off by commercials. You know, there are promos or, and they're in the backstage and you, you can watch those if you want. But, you know, if you, you want straight wrestling, man, New Japan is still the product for you. So now let's uh, dive into these blocks of competitors, uh, to kind of talk about their history in the G1, um, our, our most anticipated matches we're looking for, their chances of winning the G1, and then 
uh, any you know interesting stats that you found, Chris. So let's start with the A block. We'll start with the Golden Star, Kota Ibushi, his seventh entry, fifth consecutive. He won the tournament 2019 and 2020, so he's looking to go for a three-peat here. Yeah, Ibushi, he's been in the finals also three three years in a row. He lost the finals in 2018 to Tanahashi. So he, um, you know, Ibushi, one of my favorite wrestlers. I'm looking forward to his first match with Great Okan. I think that'll be really interesting. I'm looking forward to the match that we missed out on um, with him and Shingo, of course. Um, Ibushi, against his, um, against the block opponents, he's 19 and 11. So that's um, that's kind of an interesting piece that I've pulled together for all these guys too. So um, his we're obviously going to get another match with him and Naito, which is awesome. Him and Ishii is a good matchup. Him and Zack Sabre Jr. Um, there's not a matchup on Kota Ibushi's uh, G1 that I'm not at least a little bit excited to see what happens. Yeah, Ibushi's lined up to have uh, another great G1. He's a, a, gr- a lot of great dance partners here. Uh, the match that I'm most looking forward to is that Chingo Takagi match that we didn't get at Wrestle Grand Slam. And I think there's going to be a lot of cool stories that's going to come out of Ibushi's run during this G1. You know, it's kind of a redemption arc. He's coming back uh, from pneumonia. We see he lost to Tanahashi. He's, he's kind of on this, you know, downward swing right now. And uh, I feel like it's going to be like an upward climb for him. And I do think he's going to finish uh, towards the top of the block. However, I just have a hard time seeing him win uh, the tournament this year, or even win this block just because he's won it uh, two years in a row. Like you mentioned, he's been in three finals. So I don't know, maybe he could get to a finals, but I, th- I think his chances are slim. Yeah, and he's been in the last four tournaments, and he's averaged 12 and a half points. So he's gone 14, 14, 12, and 10. Um, you got to figure he's going to get to double digits, but I think the story might be, is he healthy? Is he um warmed up for this tournament because he's only had the one match since the beginning of july and we're we're coming into the middle of september here so that's i think the thing to to look out for um you know i think i i would be shocked to see ibushi make it to another final but listen i mean if you're ever going to heat up it's the g1 and obviously he's got that figured out right if you just really want to you know stamp that new japan on him you know give him a third you know g1 win or third final or fourth final it's like you really just kind of drive home and really elevate him as a top star in the promotion uh so next up let's look at the stone pitbull tomohiro ishii ninth entry ninth consecutive and he is one third of the never open weight six man tag team champions yeah, so Ishii, a G1 staple. Most of what you get from Ishii is just great, great, great matches. You're going to want to watch the Ishii matches on most of these nights um, because they could uh, they could be the match of the night. They could be the match of the tournament, without a doubt. Um, Ishii's only had, of his nine, what, I'm sorry, eight previous G1s, he's only had two, sorry, three times into double digits. So he usually lives at that eight mark, right? He's got. He's at eight the past two tournaments, so he he's typically been coming in under five hundred. So eight is four and five for the nine the nine matches. Um, so won't surprise me to see him land around there again. But also, um, he could teeter up to to ten just based on some of the 
you know, some of the matchups that he has in this block, he you, you'd think he's uh, pretty much a lock to win. But he's also one of those guys that can lose and not really lose momentum. Um, so I think that that's what makes the Ishii matches interesting is because he's always kind of a 50-50 shot to win or lose. Yeah, looking at this block, I mean, pretty much everybody in this block could beat him, and he can beat anybody in this block. So, yeah, like you mentioned, that makes Ishii matches very exciting. You know, last several years, Ishii has been the MVP of his block and, and of the whole tournament. Um, and with the guys that he has to work with here, Ibushi, Shingo, Naito, Saber, Kenta, uh, I think once again, he's, he's probably going to be a lock to be the MVP of this block. Uh, I think a big match for him is opening night where he faces off against Shingo Takagi. These guys have had wars in the past, and, you know, night one is known for upset, so he, he could get a big upset over the world champion. We could see a, a fall title defense of Shingo versus Ishii, or, you know, there's three domes. Who knows? Maybe Ishii works his way into a uh, dome main event. There's three of them, and maybe he can uh, slip on in there. But, yeah, expecting uh, another great tournament for Ishii. You know, as I'm you know looking at my predictions, I kind of have him at that eight uh, point range again this year um, But yeah it should be some good stuff I'm also looking forward to him and uh, Great Ocon I feel like that could be a match to really help uh, Great Ocon break out And I, I think one of the underrated Kind of long term rivalries that doesn't Get a lot of attention is Ishii versus Naito mm-hmm. um, and that'll be on October 9th on uh, night 13 from Etihad Arena in Osaka um, that's the main event that night, and that's that's the one I've got earmarked for um, the Ishii Classic. So I think <laughs> I think that's where we're gonna see Ishii shine, and Naito for that matter too. I mean, Naito obviously um, one of the best in the world too. But I think that that's putting them in a main event in Osaka. Osaka crowds have been really really good for these G1 shows. At least last year, Osaka was one of those places that felt hot, felt good. Um, and I think that hopefully we see that again here since they've got uh, three nights in Osaka throughout the tournament. But that'll be the main event I'm I'm looking forward to the most. Nice. Yeah, Ishii's going to have a great tournament, but also very uh, low chances of him winning this block and, and winning this whole tournament. So looking at the next participant, Toro Yano, 16th entry, 15th consecutive. He is a current KOPW 2021 trophy holder. Yeah, Yano's a guy who, um, you know, a lot of people call him a night off or he's someone that you can be creative with. Um, He's not a threat to win the block or the tournament. He kind of alternates between six points and eight points. Um, I think his all-time high was 10, and that was in 2016. So, but he's, you know, full of full of fun, full of joy. They're obviously going to set up something for KOPW probably, but he's another one of those guys that can he can get a banana peel win over anybody on any night, and he's one of those guys that balances out the block a little bit and makes things interesting so you don't have some of the top guys just running away. So um, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I'm particularly looking forward to anything um, specifically with, with Yano, but I think his interactions with Kenta might be really fun. Zack Sabre Jr. is always a good time with Yano. They had a really kind of a fun run earlier. And um, someone like Naito even. Um, someone who can play along, I guess, is is, is obviously what I'm what I'm kind of looking for. Yeah, the Sabre-Yano stuff was a lot of fun, especially when uh, Yano was doing the whole, you know, shooter Yano, trying to play it straight. There was some good wrestling there. I think an interesting match to look out for will be the great Ocon match on September 23rd because of their history. 
um, in the New Japan Cup where, you know, Yano tied Okan's yes. hair to the barricade and was able to defeat um, defeat Okan in that New Japan Cup, eliminate him after that big Naito win he had. So Okan could be looking to get some revenge on Yano, and Yano could potentially upset uh, Great Okan once again. Yeah, Okan and Tangaloa are the only wrestlers who are fighting Yano who have never beaten Yano. Mm. So yeah, so definitely going to be one to, to look out for there. So next up, we look at the Dragon, Shingo Takagi. Third entry, third consecutive. He is the current reigning IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, so the champion is in the G1 because the champion can win the G1. And in theory, if the champion ever wins the G1, they get to then choose their opponent for Wrestle Kingdom. So we I don't we've we haven't seen that in a long time, and we certainly haven't seen that since the Wrestle Kingdom um, stipulation was added. So Shingo has not traditionally been great in the G1. He's only been in two. This is his third. Um, he's scored eight points in his previous two. So he's gone four and five. Now, I don't think that's what Shingo's going to do this year because he's the champ, right? So if you lose five matches in theory, um, that sets up five title challenges between now and, and the, and wrestle kingdom. And not that they always deliver on every single one of those, but you'd figure they're going to deliver on, on a few and there's just not that much time this year with the G1 being in the fall. So I think you're going to see Shingo lose two, maybe three super key matches. Um, I think he's going to land himself with 10, maybe 12 points. There's a chance he wins the block, right? I don't think that that's outrageous. Um, send him to the the block finals and, um, and maybe win or lose. I don't know. Things are things are wacky right now. So could he be the winner and then set up whatever they're going to do for Wrestle Kingdom? I'm sure there's a there's a route to where they want to go. So, but I don't think you're going to see Shingo end with eight points, especially not this year, especially after the company's put a lot behind him, and he's got a lot of he's got a lot of momentum. He's doing great. He's uh, an incredible singles wrestler. So, um, match I'm most looking forward to with Shingo is probably another ma- a great match against Tetsuya Naito. They had a great G1 match in. Um, 2019 and they have not met since and um, I am looking forward to seeing that happen again yeah I rewatched the Shingo Naito match yesterday it's the free match of the week so if you guys want to check it out if you're not a NJPW World subscriber you can check it out for free on NJPW World and YouTube such a great matchup there that was in uh, Shingo's first G1 and I think that's going to be a big rematch here and it's in Kobe you know, Shingo's had a lot of great matches in Kobe during his time with Dragon Gate. And there's just so much history between him and Naito. And then plus the ramifications, if Naito were to score another victory, you would think would get some kind of rematch for the title down the line as well. And so it's kind of curious to see how that would play out. But like you mentioned, I think Shingo, this is probably going to be his uh, highest scoring G1 I really only see him losing to the top guys, so I can see him losing to Abushi, to Naito, and you know maybe Kenta. I mean, maybe Yano could pull the upset, but outside of that, I think Shingo is gonna end you know twelve, fourteen points here. So with the kind of the stipulation that usually the the people who beat the champion during the G one get a shot. Are those the people that you think beat Shingo this year? You think he loses to Naito? You think he loses to Ibushi? And that's what sets up kind of what what happens going forward? 
Yeah, my bracket, I have him losing to uh, Bushi and Naito. I also have um, day one upset of him losing to Ishii. Because mm. um, mm-hmm. I think those are three big defenses. And an Ishii defense, that's somebody he could easily beat uh, in a defense. And then, you know, you got three dome shows coming up. I'm not quite sure. Also, the G1 winner is going to get one of those. And I'm assuming they're going to do something with Osprey. But you could potentially work in, like, if Naito beats him, somehow on the third night, if Shingo leaves the first two nights of the champion, Naito could walk out and be like, you know, I beat you in G1. It's going to be me and you three days later, January 8th. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's one big show on the books, as far as I can tell, um, with Power Struggle in November. That we know we're going to get some sort of defense, right? So they're going to set that up. Uh, maybe the World Tag League Best of Super Juniors final night. Maybe you do something big that night. And from there, it's probably Road to road to Tokyo Dome. So, yeah. And you're probably not doing a defense on Road to Tokyo Dome. Um, so there's just, I guess you've got the U.S. show too, uh, Battle in the Valley. Uh, I've heard there might be a dragon flying over the Pacific for that, but um, that would be cool to see a defense there. But I don't know who that would be that's on that's in this block so that's the that's the the thing that's really challenging about the g1 being when it is right now these past two years is that like you can't load up challengers and know that you've got at least two defenses you've got probably one defense i think did naito defend more than once last year between the g1 and um and the dome i don't think so i think it was just the evil defense right right yeah at power Struggle. yeah yeah so Tough to sneak another one in. I the thing about it is if like he loses to Yano, um, Yano doesn't always cash in those those defenses, right? right? Yeah. So like I said, that's Yano's the great the great balancer. Um, so maybe maybe that's something to work with as you look at your uh, your brackets. Yeah, and you like you mentioned, you know, typically the champion is usually not a favorite to, to win a block or win the whole tournament, but like you mentioned, such a wacky year. And especially with the whole real world champion storyline going on, I mean, you could have Shingo win and be like, hey, I won the G1. I am the real world champion. Like, what are you doing over there, Osprey? And that, that could build fuel into the unification match. That would be really fun. Um, I, I actually think if, if you're ever going to do it, it, this is the time to do it when you've got this kind of angle already set for um, kind of the your end game, right? Um, now the problem is it's not a single, um, it's not a single dome end game, right? You've got to put together two and maybe three shows. So that makes things, you know, you got to have probably more than just the two guys involved. Right. Well, let's move on to the next guy here. The leader of Los Ingobernables de Japón, Tetsuya Naito, with his 12th entry, 12th consecutive he won the G1 in 2013 and 2017. Yeah, Naito typically has, um, he performs really well in the G1. It's when he shows up the best. The best. His past, oh, geez. All the way back to 2013, he scored at least double-digit points. So, And he's been in every tournament. So that's pretty good. Um, that's pretty good. He's over 500 every single year all the way back to, to 2013. So... He's going to be in the mix. He's the 2013 winner. He's the 2017 winner. And if you do the math, um, 2021 would be the next one that shows up in the pattern. So um, maybe that's a thing. Um, (laughs) You know, Naito winning could be an interesting way to heat up Naito and get him back into the singles mix. 
it also would set up a really i mean that probably sets up naito and shingo for the title you know maybe for the leadership of lij whatever it may be right even though i think leader for lij is kind of a loose um it's a loose situation there so shingo's on top right now so he's kind of the boss so, but I think that that could be an interesting route to go to. I would love to see Naito win and then just go after Shingo and be a part of whatever the mix is at um, at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, Naito is one of my favorites to uh, win the A block. I think it's um, it just kind of makes the most sense to, to get him through there. And once again, a lot of great matches here for him. Uh, one I'm really looking forward to is the Kota Ibushi match. I think there's a lot of story there. Babushi beating Naito twice in two big title matches, beat him at the Tokyo Dome and Osaka Joe Hall. And again, you know, Bushi's trying to redeem himself as well for the year that he's been having. So I think it's, a, a, you know, some big stakes on the line for both of these guys facing off on October 13th. Yeah, Naito Ibushi is my favorite, like, generational rivalry. Um, Ibushi is kind of dominated it though he's seven and three against naito in their 10 matches so um it's probably time naito gets gets another win there so if, if i'm filling out a, a pick em, i'm probably picking against my my favorite wrestler there <laughs> on that one so but uh yeah that'll be that'll be a great match i mean naito ishii i already talked about that like that'll be awesome too naito shingo naito kenta was has always, I mean, it was surprisingly good when they did the title match right after Wrestle Kingdom a couple of years ago. Um, so that'll be that'll be good too. I think Naito's got a lot a lot coming up. Yeah, I think uh, another interesting matchup would be the, the Great Okan match on the final night, just from the rivalry that they had this year with Okan getting the upset in New Japan Cup and Naito getting the win back. And so it's kind of a big match. You know, it's, a, it's a final night. I'm assuming that you know Naito will be going in as one of the potential winners, and so Great Okan could get the win back and upset him and ruin his G1 win, or Naito can kind of put the nail in the coffin in that rivalry and use Great Okan to get to the finals of the tournament. So next guy, Zack Sabre Jr., fifth entry, fifth consecutive. He is one half of the IWGP Tag Team Champions. Yeah, Zack Sabre Jr. always has good tournament. Um, never super in the mix by the end of it. He, he's his first four G1s. He's finished with 10 points, 12 points, 8 points, and 10 points. So good, but not great. Um, as one of the tag champs, you know, I don't think that he's going to be in the mix to be a singles guy um, to get into the, the, you know, the Wrestle Kingdom uh the wrestle kingdom situation here so but he's puts on really interesting matches um i think the most interesting matchup that he has this year is probably i don't know abushi because they i feel like we haven't seen that in a little bit um and that was a fun rivalry there for a little bit they they really kind of hammered that one home for a little while there but um, I think that's probably the match of his I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, I love the Saber Abushi matches. This is a great mix of striking and chain wrestling and submission wrestling. Also, I love um, Ishii and Saber together. Uh, they're always a great pair. Um, Saber and Kenta had a really good match um, last year in a G1. I think that will be good. I think the thing for Saber 
is to look out for guys that beat him to set up potential tag team title matches. So he's going in as, you know, tag team champion. We've seen LIJ feuding with them. So, you know, Naito beating him, that could lead to another Naito Sonata challenge. Uh, great Okan beats him, that could lead to a Okan Cobb challenge. If Tangaloa beats him, that could lead to a G.O.D. challenge. So I think for him, there's a lot of um, tag team challenges that will come out of this tournament. But he'll have, an, he'll have another fun tournament. Uh, Saber is one of my uh, favorite guys, and I would love to see him get a little bit more and do, go further in these tournaments. But he's just kind of in that kind of that middle ground for right now. I if I find it a little hard to believe, but I think his matchup with Yujiro Takahashi will be a first time ever. So maybe that'll be interesting, even though <laughs> Yujiro's kind of a you know, whatever he's doing right now. So, and then uh, he hasn't had a singles match with Okan either. So um, that'll be, that'll be fun to see. Yeah. Well, just because guys, guys wrestle differently when they're in there with Zack Sabre Jr. So I'm always curious to see what that first match looks like, especially with a guy like Okan, who I think has some high upside and, and he's really kind of hitting a stride right now. Yeah. And sometimes Zack just makes people wrestle his style of match. So yeah, it's always interesting to see them kind of go into that, you know, chain wrestling submission based matchup and how they, they work with Saber. So next up, great Ocon representing the United Empires will be his debut entry into the G1 climax. Yeah, so guys debuting in the G1 don't usually come in and win. Um, but you can kind of see where you where they're gonna end up in the future, right? So a lot of guys debut, they debut at that four and five mark because they're a little bit protected. They get a couple of wins and then they they kind of lose off. So I think that's what we might see from, from Great Ocon here because I don't know that he's necessarily been established as a strong singles competitor yet. Um, I think what we're seeing is he's super dominant in tag matches and a lot of that's driven by Jeff Cobb. And we'll talk about Jeff Cobb when we get to the B block. But I think that Ocon's the... Honestly, I think he may be the most vocal of the United Empire, but I think in the ring, he's third on the totem pole with that group. Yeah, and, you know, also they, they try to establish him a little bit early in the year with the New Japan uh, Cup win over Naito, but like you mentioned, it's definitely been a strong push in the tag team. So I think, you know, look out for this him and Saber, him and Tangaloa. That could lead to some some tag rivalries right there. But I think for him, like I mentioned earlier, the Naito match is going to be a really big deal coming off the rivalry they had earlier in the year, and he has the potential to uh, spoil Naito's G1. And like I mentioned earlier, too, I think the match with Ishii is going to be a, a great match for him to um, kind of break through. Him and Shingo could be another good, hard-hitting matchup. And, yeah, I think he's going to kind of slide in with, with eight points, have a, a good uh, debut tournament. Six of uh, Great Ocon's nine tournament matches will be first-time matchups, so um, definitely someone I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Nice. So next up, we have Kenta, third entry, third consecutive. Yeah, Kenta was really exciting when he came in for G129. He has been um, fine in the tournaments. He did uh, eight points his first tournament and then 10 points last year um surprisingly when i i don't remember him getting 10 points last year but um i'm sure it happened kind of under the radar so kenta is one of those guys that you you love to see him get in the mix and he um limits his um cheating and and things of the sort so he does actually end up having like some good matches but um you know i think he'll be 
he, you know, he's one of those guys that's in the middle of the middle of the pack. Yeah, and I think Kenta's a guy that's kind of had a sneaky good year this year. You know, he had the whole feud with the the U.S. title with uh, John Moxley on Strong, and he's been challenging for the Never Six Man titles, and then he almost uh, beat Tanahashi in Nagoya. So he's kind of been in, in the mix in a lot of big matches this year. And I I really loved his his first G one in twenty nineteen and his big debut. I thought that was a he had a really good tournament. I thought a lot of analysts and reviewers and critics were were, were pretty hard on that first year. And obviously, I think a lot of people are, are watching him trying to you know look for the Noah Kenta, look for the the Ring of Honor Kenta. And obviously, those days are gone, but he's still um, a great worker and still puts out some great matches. Um, I think a, a big match to look out for is going to be that um, Kota Ibushi match on the 18th. Uh, I think those guys have really good chemistry, and it, that has the potential to be a, a very just hard-hitting matchup. It was also um, that's who Kenta beat in his first G1 match in 2019, too. So a little G1 history there as well. That was in Dallas, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Then uh, second to last here in the A block, one half of the Gorillas of Destiny, Tangaloa, making his debut entry into the G1 Climax. So Tangaloa, eight of his nine matches are first-time matchups because he hardly ever wrestles <laughs> singles matches. Yeah. He has faced Zack Sabre Jr. once. Um, I don't, I can't, I can't recall exactly when that is. I'm sure I'll pull it up when I do the preview for it, but. Um, yeah, he's had one match against this entire group, which is kind of incredible that he's here. But also, Tangelo is sneaky good, I yeah. think. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of people see Tangaloa, Tamatanga, you know, added as kind of tag team filler guys that they, you know, they needed a body and they could get to Japan. But I'm low key excited for whatever Tangaloa's tournament looks like. And I, I really hope that. He shows up and is is motivated, ready to go. I hope he pulls off a couple of upset wins, and I hope that um, you know. I hope it's a meaningful moment in his career because I think that he's a guy who has gotten kind of lost in the shuffle. And I think while Tamatanga may be on the backside of his career, right? And he's Tamatanga was in a couple of G ones before, and you know, people even even your listeners may not even realize that he was a, a key player in some of those G ones that he was in earlier um, as Bullet Club was was rising, I think Tangaloa is on the upswing now. So I think that he's he's shown a lot, and I think that um, him having the opportunity to have nine singles matches uh, at a high level, I think we're going to see what he is, and I hope, that it's, I hope that it's great, honestly. Yeah, I've been saying all year that Tangaloa is kind of low-key raw. He's just been having some really good performances, and he just does stuff that you wouldn't expect him to do, like busting out, you know, inseguris and, and kamiguris and, and doing, you know, crippler crossface. And he has a lot of really cool moves, and he's kind of incorporated that kind of fighting spirit style. We've seen him kind of no-selling moves and popping up and getting fired up. And he's a, a big, hard-hitting guy, and I think this is a perfect block for him to be in. You know, you put him up there against Ishii, you put him up against Shingo, uh, his Bull Club stalemate Kenta. I think he's going to have a lot of hard-hitting matches. I think he's going to really impress some people in this tournament. He has the opportunity here. Uh, you know, a, a good G1 here could really just change the trajectory of his career in New Japan. Uh, so moving on to the last guy here, the Tokyo pimp Yujiro Takahashi, he's coming in with his 
eighth entry, second consecutive. So I'm most excited to see Yujiro versus Tetsuya Naito because they haven't done that since 2016, I think. And Yujiro, um, when they were young lions, I guess, um, or even just early in their careers, Yujiro dominated that that series. Um, so overall, Yujiro is 18 and three in singles matches against Tetsuya Naito. Um, which sounds insane. <laughs> yeah, it sounds crazy. <laughs> right. But a lot of that is when Yujiro wasn't even known as Yujiro Takahashi, he was known as Yujiro. Um, so, but either way, that doesn't change the fact that that happened. So that's the match I'm I'm looking out for the most because they it, they haven't done it in so long, and there is a huge backstory between those guys. Yeah, I think another match to look out for for Yujiro is that final match against Shingo Takagi on October 18th. You know, last year, Yujiro got two points in the tournament. I really don't see him getting a lot more this year, but, I mean, that could be the one upset last year. He upset Jeff Cobb, and with Shingo, you know, probably going into the final night as one of the leading candidates to win the block, uh, a Yujiro Takahashi could be a guy that upsets him, spoils him, especially with the House of Torture on the loom. You could have evil Dick Togo show making their presence known in on that final night and helping Yujiro to spoil Shingo and get him out of the tournament. Yeah, and Yujiro could be a guy who uh, beats Shingo but doesn't take the title shot yeah. um, just because he's, he's not a guy that's typically seen at that level. I, that, so that wouldn't surprise me either for that to be um, one of the ways to get Shingo out of the, the mix. Yeah, and we had a question here from Reddit user Hawaiian Punch BV. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you in seeing Yujiro in the G1 again? What would it take for it to be a 10? For me, it would take Peter and a returning Mao together with Yujiro on every show. And him wrestling Naito is cool. Yes, I agree. Him wrestling Naito is cool. <laughs> so we have that going for us. On a scale of 1 to 10, I don't know, like a 4. Um I don't think Yujiro was terrible in last year's G1, and and every G1's got guys like Yujiro in it. That that um, you know, you usually just don't see them two years in a row. To be perfectly honest, so it, whether it's a, an older guy or or a super young guy, um, every G1 block has that guy that you don't think is going to win many matches. So Yujiro is that guy. Yeah, and somebody has to do the J-O-B, so Yujiro's a guy that can eat plenty of pinfalls and help people get points. Um, I would say probably like a 30 on a scale of my excitement, especially just considering the, the possibility of House of Torture interference. But like you mentioned, he was fine last year, had some decent matches. I don't think he had anything that was like below three stars last year, very serviceable. Um, so it, it should be fine and it'll be a, definitely a plus if we do get a uh, Tokyo Latina Peter out there along with him. Even if just for the Tokyo shows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, any final thoughts on the A block? I think the A block is pretty good. Um, I think there's a ton to work with in the A block. And I, I think that, like I said, like I'm probably more excited than the average for Tangaloa. I have faith that Kenta is going to show up and just wrestle. Um, so, like, Yujiro is the only kind of – Yujiro and Yano, I guess. But Yano in the G1, people it, – it's fun. Um, Yano makes things interesting. And, honestly, the last time we saw Yano, he was, like, brutal killer Yano. So, if he's going to keep doing that, that's even better. I, I kind of doubt that. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, this is a, it's a good solid block. These are going to be great matches. I'm really looking forward to all these first time singles matches with great Ocon. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that there's, there's a clear top tier of Naito, Chingo, Ibushi, probably that I think the winner is going to come out of that mix. Um, but I think you're going to get your spoilers out of Zack Sabre Jr. and Great Okan, Kenta, Tangaloa. So, I mean, there's a lot to work with there. There's a lot of matches that I think can go either way. Yeah, this is a, a great lineup here. I think this the A block will probably end up having the better overall match or maybe the most notebook matches. Uh, I think it's definitely a breakout uh, time for Great Okan and Tangaloa, like you mentioned. Big opportunities there for them. And you can't go wrong with having a block of Ibushi, Ishii, Shingo, Naito, Saber, Kenta. So, yeah, I think it'll be a really fun block, and we'll, we'll get some bangers out of it. Plenty of bangers. It's G1 <laughs> season, baby. Yeah. All right, let's uh, go take a look now at the B block. So we'll start with Hiroshi Tanahashi, the current IWGP United States heavyweight champion. This is 20th entry, 20th consecutive G1. He's won the tournament in 2007, 2015, and 2018. He's got, I think, three more finals appearances, too. So, Tanahashi, he's a guy. So, think about Tanahashi. So, 2018, he won the tournament, right? 15 points. So, I think that's the most points anyone's ever scored in a G1. Since then, eight and eight, right? Eight points and eight points in 2019 and 2020. So, he's been kind of on the downturn, but now he's the United States champion. And he was previously just just recently the never open weight champion. So he not to say that the United States champion is is at all protected in the G1. I don't have the the data pulled up just yet about kind of what that um, what that how that champion performs in the G1. Yeah, I mean, you look back to Juice Robinson, I believe he was a U.S. champ in the G1 and he, you know, ate five, Probably six eight, losses right? and they didn't yeah. really do any follow up on most of those title challenges. Yeah, exactly. So that's not to say, but Tanahashi's not Juice Robinson either. Correct. <laughs> right? So if you beat Tanahashi, it means it's going to mean something even if he's not a title holder. So that's the interesting wrinkle with Tanahashi is that he's a champion right now. And um, are we establishing the United States Championship as something uh, at a higher level than it's been seen before? I, it's hard to say because it hasn't been in Japan. We haven't seen who could compete for it because it was limited to people who could get to America and fight John and then, yeah. And then fight John Moxley, which is also something that needs to be agreed upon with AEW probably. Right. So Tanahashi champion 20th consecutive G1. I mean, that's so awesome. Um, He is constantly a player to elevate himself. Right. Mm. Every, you know, you, you thought he was, you, no one saw the 2018 run coming and all of a sudden he won the tournament with one of the best tournaments ever. So, um, you know, he was the a finalist in 2013, 2010, 2004, you know, a winner three times, you know, two times within the last six years. I mean, he's still into it. So I don't know. Do you heat Tanahashi up and, and give him a block win and send him to the finals? Maybe not with this mix because I think this block is pretty good, but Interesting to see where his tournament goes. Yeah, I mean, you never count out the ace. Uh, you know, he's never he never gives up. He's never tired. He, you know, he just always keeps going forward and always, like you mentioned, always looking to to better himself. And I do think 
him being the IWGP U.S. champion is going to be a very interesting thing for him this year. You know, with the Moxley title reign, I feel like they did kind of establish that heavyweight U.S. heavyweight title as a very important title and something, a prize that people really want to go after. And so I think with Tanahashi being a U.S. champion now, I think they might try to protect Tanahashi a little bit and not have him eat a bunch of losses. I could see him going back to finishing with 10, 12 points in this year's tournament. And I do think, similar to the A block, there's definitely a kind of a top tier here in this tournament. You look you look at your Tanahashis, your Okadas, your Sonatas. I feel like those are like the really like top, top, cream and top guys, guys that have been in title matches, guys that have been in finals. Um, and so I think Tanahashi is going to have a, a really good tournament this year. And he has some good dance partners here. And I think a match everybody's probably looking forward to is uh, opening night, September 19th. He's facing off. Kazuchika Okada, one of his greatest uh, rivals. You know, saw the, we saw them wrestle live in Dallas for the G129. Great match, great way to kick off the tournament. And I believe it's only the second time that they've opened a G1 tournament with 2019 being the first time. I think that's true. Um, yeah, you got to figure Tanahashi's trying to get back to, to even with Okada. There are... Uh, Tanahashi's five, six, and three against Okada right now. So if he could get that win, it's kind of like getting his win back, right? So yeah. um, Tanahashi has the most G1 matches all time with 151. No surprise there of being in 20 uh, consecutive tournaments now. Um, and he has two first-time matchups this year, Jeff Cobb and Chase Owens. I am really looking forward to the Jeff Cobb match, I think, as uh, the first-time matchups go. Yeah, that should be really good. Jeff Cobb's been on a roll this year, and I think matching with Tanahashi would be a great matchup. And, you know, back to that Okada match, I think it's very interesting that both guys are kind of in opposite directions right now. Usually it's Okada that's on the rise, and Tanahashi just kind of, you know, trying to hold on to what he has left. But I feel like things are flip-flop here. Tanahashi's on the rise, like you mentioned, never openweight champ. He's the U.S. champion now. And Okada's been having a hard time. He, he lost to Shingo. Lost to Jeff Cobb recently at uh, Russell Grand Slam in the MetLife Dome. So Cobb's kind of coming down, in, coming in and downswing here. And so it could be upset. I mean, it's not really upset, but kind of is. But yeah, Tanahashi could beat Okada day one. Yeah, and Okada, here's the thing about Okada. He is always in the mix. I mean, uh, I'm looking back to 2014. He's had more than 11 points every single year. Um, and that's that's a hell of a run. But he also he hasn't won the tournament since 2014. So a lot of that time he's been the champion, of course, a couple of those couple of those tournaments. But I mean, that's a long run without winning the biggest tournament as one of the top guys, right? So right. I mean, he's he's the 2012 winner, 2014 winner, and then nothing, right? And not even any finals in there, I don't think, since since 2014. So uh, maybe this is the year Okada finally heats up during the G1 as opposed to, um, you know, trying to work out if he can make the money clip a thing. Yeah. Well, since we're talking <laughs> about him, let's let's look at it. Kazuchika Okada, 10th yeah. entry, 10th consecutive, uh, 2012 winner, 2014 winner. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, he's usually champion in these things, usually doesn't get to a block final because he is a champion or he's gone crazy and he has balloons and red hair and long pants, <laughs> long pants. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel like we're going to see kind of Okada starting off, you know, maybe eating some losses during the beginning and then making a kind of hot trail towards the end to uh, finish a block, probably 12 points. Um, Okada is one of my heavy favorites 
to win the B block on, on my bracket. Um, I do have, you know, Okada Naito as the final, so I have Okada going through the B block here. So I definitely think he's going to be in the mix come that final night. You think they do Okada Naito again on on one night build? Yeah, I, I mean, I just feel like they really need to kind of hit it out the park with the G1 finals this year. I yeah. feel like the the Ibushi Sonata match got a lot of mixed reviews and it wasn't you know the best final. Um, I, I think an Okada Naito match can really you know a lot of people don't think the lineup's that strong, but you know a strong final like that could you know really end the G1 with a bang and get people excited for Dome season. Yeah, I mean, I I I put Okada as my favorite to win this block. Um, but I didn't. I guess I haven't thought about who he's gonna face. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I think the A box kind of uh, it's a little more wide open, just in the sense that like it's. I don't know. I I think Okada is the clear favorite to win the B block, um, and Okada looks to be healthy, and he looked really good against Jeff Cobb um, in the in the MetLife Dome. So I think now's the time to to heat up Okada, and you know I I kind of hope that this is Okada's G one. Um, and I hope that he smacks people with rainmakers instead of money clips because <laughs> yeah. those it's more fun. It's a more fun match when you win with the rainmaker, like uh, especially in a clap crowd environment. The, yes. the, the money clips can, can 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 drag and be a little dreadful. So yeah, definitely hope to see um, some some big rainmakers here. Uh, I think a, a match to look out for is going to be the Sonata match October fourteenth at Corkin. Those guys had a. Series of matches, I believe that was in 2019, as um, Sonata was, you know, making his campaign to try to be IWGP champion. I believe he defeated Okada in the 2019 G1. Uh, got a big win there to get a fall title defense. So these guys have a lot of history. Um, you know, I personally haven't always been the biggest fans of their matches. I think a lot of people overrated them, in my opinion. But overall, still great matches, and they can kind of continue the story of Sonata trying to beat Okada, so definitely think story-wise it's going to be a big match to look out for. That Okada-Sonata uh, G1 match that Sonata won was, like, so fun because it went down to the wire. Yeah. Um, and, and and it really felt like it was going to be a draw, and then Sonata pulled it out. The One of the matches I'm looking forward to is Okada and Goto because they don't go back to that very frequently. The, those guys don't have a lot of uh, reason or opportunity to have singles matches against each other. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. That's on October 1st um, on night, uh, night eight. Yeah. You know, there's a, lot, there's a lot of talk about a lot of bull club members. We have a lot of chaos members in this block. You have Okada, you have Goto, you have Yoshihashi. Uh, so a big block here that has um, a lot of chaos members as well. So yeah, it'd be very interesting to see all these chaos guys uh, square off with each other, especially with kind of the, storyline going with you know Okada not being the, the best leader of chaos you know commentary mentioned it a little bit and there's kind of been some rumbling in you know the New Japan circles online on whether this could be a storyline going forward of Okada not being a great chaos leader of all the people turning and just kind of the chaos that chaos is in <laughs> I mean how do you let show go <laughs> yeah I mean uh, generational talent <laughs> Uh, well, let's look at the next guy, which is also a Chaos member, Hiroki Goto, 14th entry, 14th consecutive. He was the 2008 winner. He is one-third of the never-open-weight six-man tag team champions. Low-key, Jeremy, what does the G and G1 stand for? Stands for Goto. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Goto G1s are great, right? Goto is awesome. Um 
I don't ever want to see him in a final again. Uh, he snuck his way into the final in 2016, right? Yeah. Um, which was cool, I guess, for the circumstances, right? And the final was great. Like, don't get me wrong. It was a great match. But I love Goto G1s. Goto's uh, underrated, I think, criminally underrated as a singles wrestler. Um, one of the standards for, for New Japan. Definitely a guy to keep your eye out for. He's going to have one match that you're like, damn, that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that happens every year. Where you're like, oh, yeah, Hiroki Goto rocks. <laughs> um, and I don't know exactly what match that's going to be this year. It could be Sonata. I think it it's going to be Tanahashi. the. I think it's going to be the Jeff Cobb match. Those oh, guys sure. well, have, yeah. have a history over the never open weight title, and uh, Goto is kind of one of those first hurdles for Jeff Cobb to really kind of beat and establish himself in New Japan. And those guys had some really fun, hard hitting matches there. I feel like Jeff Cobb's on a whole other level compared to the last time they squared off for the never title. So I think that could be the banger that Goto has this year. Yes, yes, new Jeff Cobb versus. The old, the old guard of Goto, I think um, that'll be really, really fun. So, again, I, I'm excited to see Goto Okada again. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, he's not one of those guys. You don't skip his matches. Right. That's all That's that's all I can kind of say about Goto. It's like, I don't know. I don't, every now and then um, he puts out a dud, but he's just such a good professional wrestler. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. He's been great in the never six-man situation and – um, he's having a low key, really, really good year. So, um, again, he's one of those guys that typically, you know, he averages pretty high, usually above 500. Um, so I think I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him land with, with 10 points or so. Yeah. And something also to look out for too, is, is people who beat him could also potentially lead to never six man matches. Um, you know, there's a lot of units in here. You, you could have a, a bullet club team win, set up another bullet club tile offense, if uh, Cobb beats him, you could get a United Empire six-man tile defense. So the same thing with, you know, Ishii and Yoshihashi. As those guys are in the block, people who beat them could also potentially set up some future never six-man title matches. The thing I love about chaos versus chaos matches is that um, they just have a match. It doesn't end up being some goofy thing where they're like, uh, you know, they, they play around with it or try to, like, rig it by any means. Like, those guys just get in the ring and they fight. Um, so that's the nice thing about it. You can put as many members of chaos in the same block and you're going to get probably actually better matches because they don't fight each other that often. Right. A lot of fresh matchups, protected matchups. So yeah, it should be be very interesting seeing, you know, Goto Okada and uh, Goto against the next man. We're going to talk about his partner, Yoshi Hashi, who's in his fifth entry, second consecutive. He is one third of the never open weight six man tag team champions with Hiroki Goto and Tomohiro Ishii. So last year's G1 is when everyone kind of clued themselves in that Yoshihashi's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right? I mean, it was. It was like everyone was like, oh my God, Yoshihashi in the G. This is what happened last year. People looked at it and they were like, oh God, Yoshihashi. You're going to watch nine Yoshihashi matches. And then they were all good. Every single one of them was good. <laughs> he only won two of them, but they were good. Um, so. And then that, you know, that snowballed into this never six man situation where Yoshihashi is, you know, the king of Korokin and, and all that. So, you know, I think the most interesting matches for Yoshihashi are the matches in Korokin Hall. I mean, like that dude, he, he seems to show up for those. Um, he is terrible 
against everyone he's fought. <laughs> again. I mean, he's he's three and twenty-seven against this block in singles matches. So mm. he's zero and twelve against Kazuchika Okada. I mean, like, come on. Um, the only person he hasn't had a singles match with is is, is Jeff Cobb. So, he, and the only people he's defeated is Sonata, Chase Owens, and Evil. So. You know, is he going to be a uh, factor in the end of the block? No, probably not. But he's he's going to, dude, this guy's going to show up and give you everything he's got. Yeah, and he definitely has the potential to be a spoiler. You know, he's probably, you know, last year he got like four points, so he's probably going to be in, in that range again. But he can be one of those guys that, you know, beats an Okada or Tanahashi to throw them off their, their block and throw them off the, the path of getting to the finals. But yeah, so but yeah, Yoshihashi he should have again another or a solid performance. Like you mentioned, people kind of opened their eyes to Yoshihashi last year. And for me, one of my favorite Yoshihashi matches is his uh, 2017 G1 match with Yuji Nagata. I think I think that is one of Yoshihashi's best matchups. And if you're looking for you know a, a G1 hidden gem, I think that's one of them right there. That match rocks. Yeah, I think that's actually like the first ever like singles Yoshihashi match I saw at the, at the time, and I was like, "Man, this Yoshihashi guy is pretty cool." <laughs> oh, yeah, he's not cool. We know that he's uh, definitely not cool, but he's way cooler than we thought he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a little while there, I was way out on Yoshihashi. I mean, I had to sit through the Yoshihashi Kenta Never Openweight in uh, New York. Yeah. In New York, <laughs> like I was there. Um, and that was a drag. Um, that was definitely a drag. But um, since then, great improvement from Yoshihashi. Yeah, and I think a match to look out for is going to be that Goto match in Korkin October 4th. Uh, these guys had a match last year in the G1. And like you mentioned, with the Chaos guys, it's, it's all about, you know, athleticism, who's the, the better man. And I think, you know, with Yoshihashi, you know, he, he wants to prove himself that he's on his partner's levels. Everybody talks about Goto. People talk about Ishii. I think he wants his name to me to be respected on the same level as those guys. And so I think he's probably going to go really hard in that match to show that he's on the same level as Goto. And I love that that match is in Corkin because um, Corkin Hall has been so good to them for these never six man um, defenses. So I think that that's um, there's something to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think they're going to have the time and the opportunity to really put on a great match. So up next, the Cold Skull Sonata with his six entry, six consecutive. Now Sonata was a finalist last year, and I think a lot of people have forgotten that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean for real, like yeah. people people have forgotten that Sonata hasn't done a ton since then. Um, he he's just kind of a guy right now. He's kind of lost without uh, getting himself in the tag team mix and without feuding with Okada. He's he doesn't have a direction, especially when you you lose at the top level and you don't immediately kind of bounce down to a different singles title. Um, He doesn't he feels like a kind of directionless wrestler right now. So curious to see if Sonata finds himself this year. Um, He 12 points last year. He won the block. He went to the final. The final with Ibushi was good. uh, his tournament last year was underwhelming though. And he kind of like snuck in as the, the winner, you know, I mean, evil and, and Okada both also had 12 points, but he had beaten them. So he goes into to the finals. So I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect here. And I don't 
to be perfectly honest, I don't know what I'm excited for. Uh, him and Tanahashi sounds sounds good. Something that we don't see very frequently. So um, I'll go with that as my as my Sonata match. Yeah, so the uh, Tanahashi Sonata match probably has the potential to be Sonata's best match of the tournament. Some history there. Sonata did beat Tanahashi in his debut tournament in 2016. Um, obviously, both guys have a big KG Muto influence on their their wrestling styles and careers. And you know, you mentioned Sonata is kind of you know rudderless right now. Kind of you know he wasn't a tag and title mix, but not really doing a lot. But you know, a win over Tanahashi that could put Sonata heat him up and give him a potential U.S. title shot. Yeah, and maybe that's the right place for Sonata. Yeah. Maybe not the G1 finals and maybe not the Wrestle Kingdom main event. <laughs> maybe the U.S. championship is the right spot for him. I don't know. Right, and LIJ is super popular in the U.S., so if he does come over, I think you know he would get a good reaction and could be a good person to hold the red strap. So next up, let's look at Tai Chi with his third entry, third consecutive Tai Chi, one half of the IWGP heavyweight tag team champions partnered up with Zack Sabre Jr. They are the dangerous techers. Yeah, I'm not a big Tai Chi guy. Um, I think the most interesting match for Tai Chi is the match against Okada because he hasn't defeated Okada yet and they kind of intermingle pretty frequently but they you know when when they try to heat that up they heat it up quick so um i think that's that's the most interesting match for me uh with tai chi and and he's only got two first time matches apparently he's never wrestled evil and he's never wrestled chase owens i mean chase owens has eight first time matchups so he's going to appear on all these lists but yeah i don't know i don't know what to say about tai chi i've loved him with dangerous techers but i don't i don't like i don't see a lot of potential i guess when he steps into the the singles world oh man i, I see a bunch yeah, of potential I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Tai Chi man. I'm, I'm just i'm just not a tai chi guy and i know i'm gonna hear about it and someone's gonna tweet me and i'm gonna hear it from joel and uh damon or whatever i don't know man the the abushi match last year were just kicking each other i feel like he's really turned it up he had a lot of hard-hitting um, you know, never style matchups. I, I think, you know, him and Cobb could be a hard hitting matchup. Him and Goto, um, they usually have really good matches against each other. And, you know, I think, you know, Tanahashi and Okada matches could be a chance for Tai Chi to break out as well. Uh, I love the dangerous, uh, you know, backdrop suplex, uh, the Kawada kicks. There's a lot of great stuff with Tai Chi. And I feel like since he's kind of been more of a tweener lately, it's kind of a face. I feel like, you know, obviously there's, there's less cheating and his matches have been really entertaining. Um, from a storyline perspective, I, I think the uh, Tamatonga match is going to be one to look out for just because they are the tag champs. G.O.D. is going to be looking to get back in the tag title mix. And then, of course, you know, other guys that have partners could be uh, potential also. You know, Goto and Yoshihashi recently challenged. If they, they beat Taichi, they can get another tag title shot. Dangerous tickers, Cobb. He beats Tai Chi, you get the Cobb Ocon versus Dangerous Tickers matchup. So a lot of potential tag team title matches could come out of this similar to Sabre and A Block. Do you think they'll do a G1 ladder match with Tamatanga and Tai Chi? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> I, I just hope they pretend that that whole thing never happened. <laughs> that's hard to forget. Maybe that's why I don't feel great about Tai Chi. Hey, man. Maybe that's it. That's got to be it because that was terrible. Yes. Um. 
maybe not terrible, but it wasn't good. Yeah, it, um, it was pretty bad. <laughs> that shouldn't have happened. They didn't need to do that. So um, I don't. What would you put on? Here's a here's just a side question. What would you put up at the top of the ladder for a G1 ladder match? Like, what is it? What what represents the G1 that can be at the top of a ladder? So. On top of the ladder, if whoever grabs, let's say, some kind of contract, and and the loser, Boring. but the loser, the winner signs a contract, and they can stay ta- team with their partner forever. But the loser can no longer team with their partner. Oh, okay. So if Taichi loses, no more dangerous techers. If Tama loses, no more God. I would, mm, I would root for Taichi. <laughs> that that's what would get me Taichi. <laughs> I think they'd put like a G1 referee shirt up there. Like that's what the, the that's what the that's what would be like in the clear bag because of how they did the <laughs> yeah. the fingers. Yeah. Or they could do like the you know the, the rights to a night with uh, Miho Abe. Or you know what what they could do is if you lose the the ladder match in the G1, you actually then you deduct two points. So we could just we can like. <laughs> This is the kind of stuff that might happen if someone gets knocked out with COVID. They're going to start like reducing points somehow. It could get really interesting. So I, I don't hope for that. I and I'm I'm I really hope I'm kidding. But see, if you if you really want to get to the same ending with one <laughs> one person winning, you might have to take some points away from somebody that's already got them. Yeah, you know maybe they could do some kind of like KOPW. You know. Yes. Handcuff, last man standing, I quit match. Who knows? <laughs> or they could be like Dragon Gate and just do like a battle royal for the for the block win. <laughs> yeah. Everyone ends up tied and everything's a draw or a double count out uh, <laughs> so that you can't break the tie. So you have to have an over the top rope elimination battle royal. <laughs> uh, let's look at the next guy here. Jeff Cobb representing United Empire in his third entry in the G1. Uh, I believe it's also a third consecutive in the, in the G1. Jeff Cobb. It's going to be great. Uh, probably, the, probably the tournament I'm most excited for is Jeff Cobb's tournament because I think he's really stepped it up lately. And he is um, he's primed for a push here, I think. So I think that we're going to see a different Jeff Cobb. We, we've seen some Jeff Cobb singles stuff, obviously, this year. Um, you know, Most recently, the match with Okada, which I thought was just incredible. But he is 100% ready to go. Um, he's got a first-time match with Tanahashi, which I think is something I'm super excited to see. Um, he's got, you know, another match with Okada on the last night, which I think will make his tournament really interesting. I think you got to figure that Cobb's in the mix in the in the last night, especially when you look at um, kind of how the scheduling played out. So um, he's a dark horse to win a block. I think. I think that that is. An underrated thing about the G1, and I know I brought it up on last year's preview show, is anyone can win a block, right? Like any anyone can win a block, and that it's not going to mean anything more for the long term um, booking piece, right? If you win the block, you look at Sonata last year; he won the block. What's he doing now? What was he doing at Wrestle Kingdom, right? It's it's definitely it can mean something. It can elevate you further. It can set you up for the next year or whatever it may be. But anyone can win a block if 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 that's someone that um, they think can mean something in the final. And that doesn't necessarily mean like work rate, five star, whatever whatever it may be, six star. Um, <laughs> I think you know 
Jeff Cobb is one of those guys. He's been dominant this year. And I think you're going to see Cobb and Ocon like dominate World Tag League next. Yeah. But maybe, maybe Cobb's the killer. I mean, he's that classic American killer that I think they've, New Japan's been kind of missing um, for a little while, right? I mean, they tried to do it with Elgin. And I don't think it really panned out, right? And I think, but Cobb as the bad guy, you know, teamed up with Will Ospreay, uh, totally different style, but like, he's a he's a player in the game, I think, for them. And I think they really like him. I think they appreciate that he's there. And I think that um, his he's primed to have a really good G1 here, especially knowing that his last night is against Okada, who's got to be the odds-on favorite to win the block. Yeah, I, I think he can be in some very interesting, you know, final scenarios. You could do, you know, a Cobb and Chingo final, a Cobb Naito final. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff that you could do. Um, Cobb and Abushi, they they had their history. There's a lot of cool stuff that you could do with Cobb in, in the finals. And yeah, I think that he's going to have a great tournament. He's in a block. It's, this box is almost kind of set up for him to dominate. You know, he can beat. Easily beat guys like Yoshihashi. I can see him beating Goto, Sonata, Taichi, uh, Tamatanga, Chase Owens. Like I feel like he's gonna run through this block and be one of the people that's alive going into the final night of action. Uh, from a storyline perspective, I think the evil match uh, will be a match that's important for his trajectory, just because of what happened in New Japan Cup with Evil and Dick Togo uh, costing him in New Japan Cup. So. He could be looking to get some revenge there. And, you know, again, we'll talk about him next. I, I think Evil's going to be a guy in the mix as well. So there's a potential tiebreaker scenario, scenario there if one of those guys gets the win. And then they're both going in with equal points into the final night. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't. Evil's my probably my least favorite person in this block, <laughs> but I'm probably not alone in that. Yeah, well, we got to talk about him. Here we go. <laughs> the leader of the House of Torture, the King of Darkness, Evil, with his sixth entry, sixth consecutive. So the Evil match that I'm most curious about is with Tamatanga, because I think that I, maybe it's not so obvious, but I, I feel like obviously we're headed towards House of Torture being its own thing and leaving the Bullet Club. Um, Tamatanga long-standing leader kind of of the bullet club right he's always one of those guys at least on the politics side of the bullet club he's super important so curious to see what that interaction looks like otherwise um they're gonna be i mean we know what an evil match looks like and we did it the whole last g1 um we did it again against shingo just recently um, elevated him up. We know that evil is a guy that the new Japan um, sees, sees something in this style, right? So it's kind of something that is just going to exist. And, you know, I, you know, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to talk about it diplomatically <laughs> because it annoys the hell out of me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not looking forward to any of Evil's matches this year, especially with this you know new House of Torture unit that's been formed. Uh, I think we are going to see a lot of cheating, a lot of interference, a lot of Dick Togo. Um, so yeah, so Evil's probably not going to have any really like you know 
notebook matches or standout matches, but regardless, he is going to be one of these guys that finishes towards the top of the block. Last year, he finished with 12 points and, um, you know, had a big match with Sonata on the last night last year. And we're having a similar situation here this year, October 20th, the last night of B block. He'll be facing Sonata once again. Um, Sonata beat him last year to, to stop Evil from going to the final. So Evil could get some some revenge here, get the win back, and could potentially end up in the finals or potentially spoil Sonata, get some revenge and spoil Sonata from going into a final. I guess something a little bit promising here is that Evil only has one main event this whole tournament, mm. um, at least in the first eight nights. Uh, three semi-main events, but then... Um, two matches in the second slot and two matches in the first slot. So he's not placed super high on these cards. And I think his only main event is probably against Okada because Okada seems to be bringing everyone with him to the main event. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Okada's got six. Six of his first eight matches are, are main events. Yeah. Uh, we had a question here from Reddit user Mitch MM 22 We all know what happened last time the Bullet Club had a sub-faction within so my question is, how long until Evil and Dick Togo are EVPs of Garote Torture Wrestling? Wow. <laughs> uh, Chris I is mean, speechless. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, yeah, that would probably be the best thing for yeah, hit Evil and Dick Togo just go start up their own little puro indie in Japan and just be out of our lives forever i'm not responding to that (laughs) Uh, well uh, let's look at the next guy here tama tonga with his fourth entry first in three years that he's been in the g1 again i think he's an interesting addition because he hasn't been in in a couple of years and i think that his role now is different than it had been in the past you know i think he he showed some signs of life uh on their last run when they were in japan they were in japan for a long time yeah they were. This, this calendar year um and he hasn't been back in a little while now so um yeah curious what tamatanga singles matches really look like now um especially as that side of the bullet club seems to teeter a little bit less towards the um, tomfoolery. Um, you know, I think it's still going to be there, but I don't know. Like who's, who seconds Tamatanga? Like who's coming out to the ring with Tamatanga? I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, does anyone, does that mean these matches are just like clean and they try to take the, the, you know, the, the corner pad off or something like what, or like use a, use a chair randomly. So like I, that's, that's what's interesting to me is like, you don't have a full roster. You don't have big tag matches of, of people that are, that are on these shows. And honestly, there's no other bullet club presence on any of these shows, except for show, I guess, um, as, as the house of torture. But I think that that's going to be contained with the, the evil matches. Um, so, you know, I'm hopeful that these are just, matches and Tom and Tonga shows up and has does a great job. Yeah, I think, you know, we we've seen Tama in the past in G ones and I think people at least people I've talked to have been very disappointed in Tama's performances, but I feel like he does have the opportunity here to kind of step up again. And especially like you mentioned, with him kind of being kind of out of the whole like house of torture loop and 
not really they're not really being a lot of people to second him. I think this could lead to potential of Tama having a more straight G one and having some you know better matchups. Um, as far as a, a match to look out to, I mean, I think the Okada match could be interesting, um, especially just from a storyline standpoint with him and Carl Anderson. Also, we saw G.O.D. show up at Resurgence and um, kind of beefing with Gallows and Anderson. And obviously, you know, Gallows, or excuse me, Anderson's biggest claim to fame is, you know, getting to the G1 finals with Okada in 2012, but he couldn't beat him. So it could add fuel to the fire if Tamatanga could beat Okada and be one of those upsets and beats Okada and that something he can hold over Carl Anderson's head. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting wrinkle there. Um, Carl Anderson, especially, I mean, even since he's been um, on AEW, he's, he's putting like 2012 G1 finalist or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like he's, he's just like riding that for the rest Forever. of his career, which like, <laughs> honestly, I probably would too. Oh yeah. Uh, so, you know, good, good on him. Honestly, and that match is great. Um, if you haven't watched that in a while, go go check out the G1 final from 2012. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's so curious to see how these guys get back in the mix. I so badly hope that it's not just, um, you know, Tamatanga beats Taichi and sets up a tag title match. Like, that seems like such a snoozer, but um, it, may be, it may be the only option. Yeah. Yeah, should, should should be a fine tournament here for Tamatonga. Let's look at the last B-block guy, the crown jewel, Chase Owens, making his debut entry into the G1 Climax. You know, I'm happy for Chase. <laughs> I am. That, I, listen. <laughs> hey, we keeping a strong style has been one of the biggest Chase Owens supporters uh, when it comes to his in-ring work. Yeah, he's fine. Like, what's wrong with Chase Owens? He's a wrestler. He wrestles matches. Um, he honestly, like, dude works hard. And I remember in 2019, like, he had the most pinfall victories in New Japan. And I'll never forget that because he wouldn't let me forget that. <laughs> um, he's, you know, I'm surprised he didn't put that on his shirt. Um also the most loss pinfall losses, but like dude was just always in the ring. He was, he had so many matches and he was a part of the finish. And, you know, he, I know that he's really excited for this opportunity. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't think I, where does he get a point? I mean, I know that's a question that's coming up here. Um, I don't know who knows who cares. Um, I think he's going to show up and wrestle matches though. And again, like with someone in bullet club, that's kind of all you can you can ask for. It's like Yujiro last year, right? All you wanted was them to just go out and have like a 10-minute match every night and not ruin the G1 with eye-roll, you know, worthy stuff. And I don't think that's what we're going to see from Chase Owens. Yeah, again, similar to Tama, you know, he's not on the house of torture side of things, or at least not yet. And so that, that opens the door for him to have more straight matches. And I think, you know, you have him in there with Goto and Yoshihashi and, and Taichi and Cobb. I think he could have some really good, you know, like mid-card matches on, on G1 nights. Uh, I do think, you know, obviously going up against Tamatonga is going to be an interesting match just to see if there's any Bullet Club rift there or we can get the, the similar, you know, you lay down, no, you lay down. All right, fine, I'll lay down, then I'll try and roll you up kind of thing. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. And obviously Evil and Chase, if, you know, there's Sension there, so... 
But yeah, I mean, all all we can hope for is a minimal interference and a Chase just puts on you know his A game and has some really good matches. Uh, we did have There's a- gonna be one that surprises people, I think, and it might oh. be like the match against Yoshihashi or something, <laughs> where like they both go out and like with a chip on their shoulders and just like kick ass. Yeah, let's have a banger. Um, I'm like super hopeful that that happens now because I'll splice this out and put it on Twitter. <laughs> but like, I. Honestly, like that's the one that I've got earmarked is like these guys are going to go out and be like, no, let's go kill it for whatever, (laughs) 10 or 12 minutes even. And they're just going to have like, you know, like a Shibata Ishii uh, 2013 level match or something. Uh, Question here from front of the show, Zach Porter. He says, do you see Chase getting skunked in this tournament? If not, where could you even see him getting a point? Against Yoshihashi. In a banger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't... The zero thing happens so infrequently that I don't think he's going to end up with... He's not at that level where they're going to be like, no, you get zero. Like, he's going to sneak a win out. Um, I don't... You know, maybe maybe more than one, but definitely at least one. Yeah, I definitely think Yoshihashi is the, the prime target there for him to get a win over. Um, I mean, depending on how the whole bull club shenanigans stuff goes, I mean, he could beat Tamatonga. Um, uh, maybe an upset over Evil somehow. Um, but yeah, besides that, I have a hard time seeing him beating anybody else. So we have another question here from our user Rambone Slam Pigs. I'm putting my marker on an Okada over Naito in the finals. If so, Okada versus Shingo for night one, Okada versus Osprey unify night two. And then what are they doing with the oddball third night a few days later? Would a Naito Shingo, Okada Osprey mini tournament work better? Yes. <laughs> um, so I've asked around. I'm trying to find out if they're doing New Year's Dash. Because mm. um, that obviously adds a wrinkle to the mix too. Right? So because if they do the two dome sh- the two Tokyo Dome shows on the fourth and the fifth, and then if they do Dash on the sixth, you can use Dash to set up the eighth. Mm-hmm. Um, there's confidence that travel is a lot easier in January. And well, maybe not confidence. Confidence may not be the right word, but there's uh, I think there's some hope that travel is easier in January so you can have guys that you have relationships with come in and be a part of these three big shows and kick off the 50th anniversary year that they I think they see um their 50th anniversary year and celebrating that as um something that might save the business save their business that you know feels a little cold right now so I like the Nato Shingo Okada Osprey you know mini tournament situation I think somehow you got to get to Osprey Shingo right because those are the guys that are holding the belts right now so does that mean Naito and Okada both lose on night one and then you go to Osprey Shingo? Maybe. Uh, you know, that feels like the straightforward booking. But also, you could just remove the belts from the situation and then book Shingo and Osprey for the eighth. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and have, a great, have a great match for whatever they call their linear championship without a belt i don't know you know whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever they want to do right it's all kind of wacky right now anyway so um yeah i mean i, I think i kind of lost the point there but um i do see those four guys in the mix as we head towards these these two dome shows 
Yeah, and like you said, not not sure, quite sure how they're gonna work it out. All they could do a main tournament, some kind of double double gold dash. Maybe we're gonna a uh, triple gold dash. I'm not sure, but there's definitely a lot of potential of stuff they can do, especially with the whole real world champion storyline going out out there right now. Um, so, like me, Rambo and Slam Pig is picturing Okada Naito finals. Okada winning. I have Okada winning also. Chris, do you have a, a set lock on your A block, B block winners and a tournament winner this year? Oh, I see. I've got Okada Shingo as my final. I think mm. um, I, I haven't locked that in yet, but that that's kind of the way I'm leaning. And I think I think this is Okada's tournament to win. Now, I've probably said that two years in a row now, and here we are in a third. Um, but this one really feels like the right time to get Okada back into the the top title picture. So, um, yeah, that's so I'm, I'm leaning towards Shingo winning a block, but not like I said, like I love to say anyone can win a block, right? Shingo wins the block, keeps him strong. He only has to set up one title match, right? He can, you know, burn through a bunch of great singles matches and then lose to Okada in the final as the champion, though. So then you don't have to do that. You don't do that title match until Wrestle Kingdom. Right. So it kind of spreads out the champion has to defend against the people that beat him thing. Mm. So, and I think that then you head off into Wrestle Kingdom with Okada as the G1, the G1 winner. Yeah. Yeah. I think Okada being the G1 winner just makes a total turn of sense. There's so much story there with him and Shingo, him and Osprey. I I just think that it makes the most sense storyline wise. Um, So you go ahead. I was going to say, my only, my only question here, or my only thought, is that um, Ibushi, Okada, and Tanahashi have all lost their first chance at the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Mm. And the only person left kind of in that true upper echelon is Naito. Who, um, so I think maybe Naito beats Shingo in the G1, and then Shingo defends the championship against Naito at Power Struggle. And then those four guys, and kind of in my belief, the whole story of the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship is to give that really upper echelon of New Japan something to, to strive for that they haven't accomplished. And like I said, all four of those guys then would have lost their first shot at that, that particular title, which I think is a really interesting wrinkle to the storyline too. Yeah. And before we move on, I do want to plug our G131 Pick'em contest. So if you go to socialsuplex.com slash G131 contest, we are running a Pick'em. There is a, a Google form embedded on that page. All entries must be through that Google form. Uh, only one entry per person. Stop-ups will continue until the first day of the tournament before the first bell on September 18th. Got some great prizes for you. Uh, first place prize will get a $50 ProWrestlingTees.com gift card. Second place, you'll get Lions Pride, the turbulent history of New Japan Pro Wrestling by Chris Charlton. And then third place is the King of Strong Style 1980-2014 biography by Shinsuke Nakamura. You get one point for a correct winner if you pick a draw correctly. Three points for correct A block and B block winners. Two points for the correct a and B block runner-ups, three points for the correct A or three points for the correct G1 uh, final runner-up, and then five points for the correct G1 Climax 31 winner. 
So go ahead, enter that contest right now. SocialSuplex.com slash G131 contest. Get your picks in. You just heard a ton of stats and analysis from Chris and I and our, our predictions. So you, you can listen to us or not listen to us and see what happens. <laughs> uh now, we had some more questions here from uh, Reddit user DomHoneyMe101. He says, any bull predictions for this year's G1 Climax? What are some upsets that we could possibly see? What could be a hidden gem in this tournament? I think a hidden gem could be Chase Owens versus Yoshihashi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to hang my hat on that now that I've said it once. Um, I think Okada Goto, also another hidden gem. And then... I just have a feeling that Great Okan's going to have like one of those matches that everyone kind of, you know, keys in on him and is like, oh, this guy's good. Like, ha- can have good New Japan style matches. And maybe it's the next match with Naito because they're comfortable, or maybe him and Ishii come out and have a banger, which I think would be a certain possibility. Ishii elevates people, right? Yeah. Like we we see that a lot. So I think that that um, that's a sleeper pick for, um, you know. Maybe not match of the tournament, but something that's, that's worth, um, you know, worth keeping an eye on because I'm sure Great Okan is one of those guys that he needs this tournament as a singles guy and and as an opportunity to show that he can um, kind of rip through uh, some singles matches. Yeah, um, I think that Ishii and Great Okan, like you mentioned, could be a gem. I also think Ishii and Tangaloa. Could be one of those that ends up being a hidden gem. I, I think Tangaloa is another guy that, much like you mentioned, like Great Okan is going to be a guy that has some really good matches. That people are like, oh, wow, this guy is really good, and he's going to have, have some uh, hidden gems in that A block. Uh, his next question, is it possible that NJPW could have Shingo win the G1 Climax to put juice on this whole two IWGP World Heavyweight Champion storyline? Yes, but I also, like... I feel like that's just very potentially too simple um, with two dome shows plus another wrestle kingdom branded show. Uh, like I said, you need a bunch of guys elevated up to that level. And I don't think, you know, if, if you had one show and Shingo's going to win the G one and be like, give me Osprey, this dude thinks he's the champ. Boom, done roasted all done. Like that's what we're doing. And it's going to be awesome. Like, that would make a ton of sense to me, but we're doing these double dome things. We're doing this double wrestle kingdom thing all the time every year now. So like we kind of see how this goes and, and this is the time when people just get bounced up to the, to the main event scene. And it's, they typically need four guys and usually one of them's the title holder. One of them's the G one winner. And one of them was, I guess, another title holder. Um, and then somebody just randomly would say that they wanted to be involved. Um, and right now, I guess like it, it would be nice if there was still that second title because um, then Osprey could be the guy who says like, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to get in on this thing because I'm the real world champ" or whatever. That would been it, it would have made so much sense. But we don't have that second belt anymore, really. So I guess we do. It's just on Will Osprey in America. Yeah. So um, yes, it, I think that would be awesome. I think Shingo winning a G1 would also be um another step forward to new japan respecting and 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 um elevating guys that didn't come up within their system right and we saw that recently with kota Ibushi even too so mm-hmm. I, the g1 is not as protected to to their own uh anymore which i think is good it does open things up a little bit more um 
you know, the the kind of new Japan chosen ones that come up within the system. And, and Shingo's absolutely not that. He's so far away from that being that um, more more than anyone. So, but I I I think it's it's the simplest thing. It's the thing they would have done four years ago, right? But now we're we're in a different time. We're in a different era. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. If Shingo winning kind of kills off a lot of potential future title matches, and if he wins, it just elevates him on his whole other level by himself. Like you mentioned, you still got power struggle. We got three Wrestle Kingdom shows. Like you, you need some people to challenge him, and it just can't be Osprey. So yeah, having him win elevates him way too hard. You kill off challengers, you kill off potential matchups. Um, so with you know three three Wrestle Kingdom shows, you need some challengers. So I do think Shingo will eat some losses and then not win the tournament. Uh, his next question: What is most likely to happen in this year's G1 Climax? Jeff Cobb running through his block and going undefeated, or Yujiro Takahashi going winless in this year's G1 Climax? No. <laughs> nobody goes undefeated and nobody goes winless. That's not how the G1 works. It's hard. It's grueling. There's a lot of ways to get a fluke win. Toriano exists. Yeah. Um, I mean, Yujiro got two points last year. He beat Jeff Cobb, which was dumb. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole other thing. Um, yeah. That last night of, what was that, B-Block? Was that B-Block last year? Yes, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that last night of B-Block was awesome because it was, there was a lot of stuff up in the air. You know, that's the thing to keep an eye out on is, like, what are the wacky scenarios that you're headed towards with tiebreakers and all that stuff? And that's the type of stuff that I try to put out there as much as I can, um, either on Twitter or on sportprowrestling.com through my my previews and stuff. So nobody's going winless and nobody's going lostless <laughs> I, I, I made it made it too far into that sentence um undefeated that's the word nobody's going undefeated but Cobb is a i mean Cobb's going to be a guy that i think he loses his block only because he loses to the guy who wins the block right so i think i think i hope i hope like hell we see Cobb, you know really get into that role um this year and and you i don't even know if he's the most likely to go to go winless if anyone was going to do it there's a couple other options here <laughs> i mean yeah chase owens is another guy chase like. owens exists <laughs> uh, so his uh next question thoughts on the booking idea of having both shingo g1 winner and osprey defend both of their titles on the first night of wrestle kingdom against opponents of each champion's choice i already kind of went on and on about that what are your what are, what are your final thoughts about that yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I just don't think Shingo winning the G1 is the best idea. Um, and I'm not really a big fan of them, like, picking their own opponents or picking each other's opponents. I, I really think the money is just having one night be unification match. Those guys face off. You get the payoff of that. You figure out who the real world champion is, and then the real world champion faces the G1 winner. And then you get a, a match there, and then I don't know exactly how you get to the third big matchup. Like you mentioned, if there is New Year's Dash, you can do something to set that up. Or maybe it's one of those situations where, like, Naito beat Chingo, and Chingo survives the unification. He survives the G1 winner. And then Naito's like, all right, well, I beat you in G1. You didn't, you didn't face me at Power Struggle. I'm facing you on the 8th. So you think they do the uh, Shingo-Osprey match first? Yeah. Because January okay. 4th is still, 
you know, considered like the like headline Wrestle Kingdom, like the big, it's a traditional big event. So but you, isn't that when the G1 winner gets the match? And I mean, I know Jay took the briefcase or whatever last year and made it for the fifth. Yeah. But doesn't the G1 winner almost always like, isn't the contract for the fourth? Normally, but I'm thinking about last year okay. with Jay kind of yeah, calling right. his shot. And so with, with the unification, it could be one of those things where, like, the IWGP committee is like, hey, we want to have a, you know, undisputed champion going forward. So we're going to go ahead and have create our undisputed champion. Then a G1 winner will challenge the undisputed champion. Um, yeah, that I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. But, I mean, they, they could do it the other way around. You could have the G1 winner face Shingo night one the you know legit champion and then the winner of that the next night faces Osprey to unify the belts and that's how you get to Okada and Osprey at the Tokyo Dome like they were supposed to do in May yeah I think we're, we're getting Okada Osprey regardless somehow uh, yeah, yeah. I, I could see Osprey beating Shingo unifying the titles becoming the real world champion facing Okada the next night beating Okada in the dome as the real world champion Mm-hmm. And then heading off into the the 50th anniversary year of, of 2022. Right. And then yeah. if, if Naito has a claim, Naito Osprey's a protected match that they haven't yeah. done. You do that January 8th, big matchup, real world champ Will Osprey versus Tetsuya Naito trying Ooh. to get his first IWGP world title. <laughs> I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to take that week off. <laughs> Gato, you're welcome. I've just I've saved you. I've booked out your Wrestle Kingdom shows. Uh, send the check in the mail. I'm I'm happy to replace uh, Dick Togo in the Booker's room. I, as campy and weird as the like, I'm the real world champion thing that Osprey's doing. It it does open up some really cool stuff for these these double dome nights. You know, all mm. connected through the G1, right? And I think we might see it all kind of pan out during the G1, or they might do that thing that they did. I think it was 2019 when like just like the four guys ended up in the ring at the end of power struggle and they didn't actually say anything, but everyone was like, Oh, that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think, I think something might get set up in San Jose. A battle in the Valley and battle in the Valley, because that's where, that's where will Osprey will be. He's announced for that show. Yes. Right. And, that's the next time I think on the calendar that guys from Japan who are needed in Japan for any period of time would be able to leave for, for, you know, based on like the two week quarantine and and all that, they could leave after power struggle. They could be gone for a little while. And, you know, I don't think those top guys are going to be a part of world tag league. So I wouldn't doubt that that's the show that, Wrestle Kingdom becomes a little more clear. Yeah, dude. That's I, it's literally just a hunch. I know nothing. I talk to nobody. I don't know, man. You, you got a sneaky little little grin off. I don't know what you're talk- <laughs> no, I really don't. I don't. I don't know anything. But the writing seems to be on the wall for that because somehow you got to get these guys in the same place as Will Osprey, right? Or man. at least whoever's going to be involved with Osprey has to get in the same place as Will Osprey because that's how New Japan sets up big angles. Right. You put people in the same place and they. That's how it happens there. And we saw with Resurgence, like, they really try to make that show a big show with a lot of surprise angles. The Osprey promo, you know, G.O.D. confronting Good Brothers. Like, they want to make those shows 
uh, newsworthy, especially with Battle in the Valley being the same day as AEW Full Gear. You're definitely going to be competing for space on the timeline, but you know, with the time zone, that's going to be a crazy day. I mean, right as Full Gear goes off the air, Battle in the Valley will be starting. So if, if you want to stay up, you're going to have uh, you know two great shows to watch that night. Yeah, I mean, I'll be in San Jose, so if anyone's there. Um, oh, oh, probably, oh, you're going? I'm going, oh, yes. Nice. I, uh, yeah, I got some I got some miles to use. <laughs> so, but I, I was disappointed, and I know you've got in the news, but we may as well talk about now, John Moxley's being off, being taken off that show. Yeah. So he'll obviously be on full gear. So that is, that's super disappointing, but I also feel like that means there's probably a make good that comes with that from new Japan to, right. to get, to get the buzz back up. Right. So this is all like, those are just the pieces and the dots that I'm, I'm connecting. Right. So, and I'm really hopeful that that's the truth. And even if it's it, not a surprise, um, it's even if it's someone announced, like they're going to put the people involved in wrestle kingdom, I think are going to be involved that night because I think you got to put those guys in the ring for, for your B roll. <laughs> so you can make, <laughs> so you can make those VTRs. So, so is this the officially the the Moxley incident? Oh, I don't know, right? <laughs> I mean, like you knew, I knew, I knew when they announced that I was sitting in the in the in the building, and I was like, "Dang, that means Moxley's probably off." And I was like, yeah. "And I was like, and dang, I'm going to be in San Jose, and like, <laughs> clearly probably not able to watch that show because I'm not going to watch it like on my phone from um from the the arena in San Jose." So yeah, you know, disappointing. Um, and a shame that New Japan is is a little inflexible when they do dates like this, um, and a lot of that I think probably comes from travel and things like that. But you know, I it wouldn't suck if New Japan was like we're going to bounce to the Sunday, yeah. Um, you know, so but I they that's just not how they operate. Yeah, they they, they did change the start time to right eight, 8 p.m. Pacific, so it will start as soon as a uh, full gear is over. Yeah, those AEW pay-per-views have gone to almost nine nine Pacific though, so I think the there's gonna be some some overlap there. But on a Saturday night, I, I don't I don't know that they're gonna lose a lot of pay-per-view buys. I think people who are gonna buy it are gonna they're gonna buy it. And and the New Japan pay-per-views aren't nearly as expensive as the AEW ones either. So right, or it's gonna be on World in a couple of days anyway. So, yeah, yeah. So well, yeah. If it keeps if things keep going the way they do with Fight TV, it's gonna be on World the day after because the Fight TV feed was so bad. Yeah. Uh, so Dom, homie's last question here: What are some hidden gems of G One Climax matches to watch? Oh, in general? Yeah, I think it means in general. Um, Katsuhiro Shibata versus Tomohiro Ishii from G One Twenty Three. My favorite sub fifteen minute match of all time. Probably my favorite actual match of all time. It's like twelve minutes, and the it's a sprint of all sprints. Um, if you've never seen that match stop what you're doing and find it. It's, it's incredible. It's my, my favorite. And that was like, that's like, that's what you get in some of these G ones and like, you know, under 30. Right. And uh, you know, the other one that I I'm going to bring up, I guess is um, Okada Omega mm. from the one. It's actually, I, I, I feel like I'm crazy whenever I say this, but I think it's actually my favorite Okada Omega match because they had just done the time limit draw in their most recent match before that, I think, I think that's what the timeline, how the timeline works. And then they came out and they wrestled a completely different style of match because they both wanted to win in a G1 match and they knew they couldn't go 60. 
um, because the time limit. So any time that you put um, guys in the ring and the time limit comes to play, Okada Sonata from G129 also, same same way. um, The drama builds because of that 30-minute time limit on these big epic matches. So um, I guess those are the, the three I'll throw out there. Yeah, for me, like I mentioned earlier, the Yuji Nagata versus Yoshihashi match from the 2017 G1 is a hidden gem. It was definitely it was a banger, um, really good matchup. That was towards the beginning of the tournament. Um, I think the the Osprey Lance Archer match from Dallas has been at the time got a lot of buzz, but I feel people like, people have forgotten about that match. And I rewatched that recently, and that was still as awesome as it was live um, in the building. Um, so that's definitely one to check out. Um, trying to think if anything else comes to mind. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff. I mean, there's there's matches with like Marifuji on, on from the G1 to check out. Um, Prince Devitt had some runs in the G1, so if you're a big Finn Balor fan, um, I'm sure there's a ton of stuff for him to check out as well. Uh, and last question here from my girlfriend Jen. She wants to know what our favorite G1 tournaments are or have been. Oh, that's tough too. I just had that discussion with uh, the Voices of Wrestling group. We were talking about like what's the best G one, and and I, my favorite is twenty nineteen G one twenty nine. I think they they mixed up. I think there were six new entrants. Um, you had John Moxley coming in. You had a lot of exciting stuff happening. You had Kenta coming in. Um, it was really fresh, and it was fresh in a way that they needed it to be because they had just lost. Kenny Omega and Cody and the elite and all that, all that, that whole group was gone by then. And that was the sign that like new Japan's still going to be a player in the Western world, I think in a way that's really meaningful. So um, I think that that tournament said a lot about the future of new Japan. And, you know, there's a part of me that knows that this year doesn't feel that way. Um, But I, I do look at, you know, New Japan as a, a company that's still a huge, has a huge role in pro wrestling. And I know that there are people that are really exciting in pro wrestling right now who are interested in coming over for a G1. So I think getting to know the tournament, getting to know um, the expectations of the tournament and how it goes can only lead to um, a greater experience next year when maybe some of those guys do show up. Yeah, and my answer is actually the same as yours. 2019 is also my favorite G1 tournament. A, because I was there for the opening day in Dallas and got our first time we got our first media credentials. We got to be a part of the press conference and interview the wrestlers, so that was really cool. And then, like you mentioned, it was just a really exciting tournament where you have Moxley showing up, you had Kenta showing up, and just, you know, the whole, like, Shibata involving with the Kenta turn. Like, there's just so much, like, cool stuff, like you mentioned, like, a lot of people were worried with like the elite gone and Kenny being gone, but yeah, that G one like it's a introduced a bunch of new players. Uh, Archer had um, a great G one, then you had the inclusions of Osprey and Shingo. Just a lot of cool stuff that happened in that 2019 G one. So uh, coming up, so like you mentioned the opening days of G one A block and B block are happening this weekend, September 18th and 19th in Osaka. So let's take a look. At those cards real quick and give our thoughts and predictions for those. Uh, so on September 18th, it's actually, the show is actually going to open up with a Young Lion matchup. Uh, Oiwa will be taking on Show. 
So I just think that's going to be obviously uh, keeping the momentum going for Show and his recent turn in the House of Torture, and then a great way for Oiwa to get some experience wrestling a, a veteran guy on the roster. So obviously this is going to end with a uh, shock arrow for Oiwa, and Show will get the win there. Yeah, um, I'm curious to see what these guys do with um, more experienced members of the roster that we've only seen them wrestle each other. Yeah. So uh, so I'm glad that they're on uh, a lot of these shows. They're not on every show, but they're on a lot of these shows. Then the first G1 match of the night will be Kota Ibushi versus Yujiro Takahashi. I mean, I think Ibushi wins this. I think Ibushi comes out strong, starts off his tournament well. Um you know, kind of, kind of a bummer to see Ibushi in this match, but I guess last year Will Osprey was coming off of a kind of a hiatus, COVID. You know, yeah. uh, COVID related. He hadn't wrestled in New Japan in a while, and his first match was against Yujiro too. So and that match was went, pretty good. It was good. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it was like, oh, okay, Will can still go, and Yujiro is going to actually wrestle. So, um, you know, I think maybe there's something to getting Ibushi, getting his feet back under him um, with his first match here before um, before he really heads into the meat of the tournament. Yeah, I think it's a great way for him to kind of, yeah, get his footing and get reacclimated. So, yeah, I think Ibushi is going to uh, get the win here, Kamagoye, and defeat Yujiro. Then the third match of the night will be Great Okan versus Tanga Loa. I think uh, this one's a little bit more of a toss-up because Okan, I just I don't think he's going to be at the top of the block. I think he's going to have a good tournament, but I don't think he's going to be um, a player. So he's got to he's got to eat some losses, and at some point you need to make Tangaloa relevant. So maybe maybe that's now, or maybe you know maybe Okan does pull out the winner, the the victory here. I think this is this one's a little more fifty-fifty than than. Uh, pretty much any other match on the card. So, but I think if I had to give it to someone, I'm going to give it to Okan. I'm also going to give it to Okan. But you made a great point about Tangaloa, and something to think about too when you look at like World Tag Leagues with these guys. Tangaloa is usually the one that's protected, and he's usually the one that's getting the pinfalls. So he is booked very strongly um, when he is in tournaments and when it comes to him and Tama. So yeah, it could be him getting a big win and being a guy that has a, a better G1 than we think, but I'm, I'm leaning towards Ocon as well. Then the fourth match of the night, is going to be Toro Yano versus Kenta. This should be fun. Um, Cause Kenta can get into the, the goofiness. So um, I don't, it doesn't, I don't know if it really matters who wins this. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, Probably, this could be a banana peel slip up and Kenta loses and loses yeah. two points and Yano gets his two points. Or Kenta could just win. Uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards Kenta, though. Yeah. You think they just go clean for the first night? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That works. Then uh, semi main event, we have Tetsuya Naito versus Zack Sabre Jr. We've seen these guys butt heads through the whole Dangerous Techers LIJ rivalry recently. Yeah, this will be great. This is one of those matches that I think people would have, you know, typically have earmarked for for the G1. So um, I think Naito wins um, for no other reason than I think he's more of a player in the in the game right now. But I think this will be an awesome match. Yeah, I think Naito wins as well. That also opens the door for another tag team title match. And then I, I think Naito, obviously Naito's the guy I have winning 
uh, this A block. And so I definitely think he's going to need a lot of wins to uh, get to that finals. Then the big main event here for night one is going to be a Stone Pitbull, Tomohiro Ishii versus a Dragon, the world champ, Shingo Takagi. I think Shingo gets the win here. Um, Shingo lost to Ishii in last year's G1. So I think he gets his win back here. And I think it'll be, I mean, <clears throat> there's no reason to believe this won't be great. Yeah, I think it's going to end up being one of the best matches of the whole tournament. Um, I, I do have Ishii on upset alert to kind of get that big win, that big, you know, and usually night one is usually some kind of upset. So I think Ishii, obviously, in previous times, it wouldn't be considered that much of an upset, but since Shingo has been elevated and is the world champ now, I think Ishii beating him would be a pretty big upset on this night. And, yeah, makes Shingo have to really scratch and claw to get to the finals. For the stopwatch watchers, um, Shingo and Ishii have gone 22-41, 27-04, and 26-01 in the three matches. So you can probably anticipate a 25-minute-plus main event here. So, And it will be great. <laughs> settle in and get into it. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Then we look at night two, Sunday, September 19th, also in Osaka. Show opening up with Vegeta taking on show. Probably going to be very similar to the Oiwa match, but like we mentioned, great to see what these guys will do against somebody that's experienced like Show. Then the second match of the night, first G1 match, will be Yoshihashi versus Evil. Oh, wow. We go back to back with the House of Torture stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah. Dang. Hey, at least you get it out of the way at the beginning <laughs> of the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Evil wins this because again, I think he's in the mix. Um, and uh, you know, Yoshihashi probably tops out at maybe six points for the tournament, so easy, easy call on that one. Yeah, I'm going, unfortunately, going Evil. I definitely think he's going to be alive on the final block night. So, the third match of the night, Jeff Cobb versus the Crown Jewel Chase Owens. Sleeper for a good match, I think. Yeah. Um, depending on what Chase Owens is doing this tournament, right? Like, what's the angle, the story, the booking, right? Depending on what that is. And if it's nothing, and it's just he's there to have 10 to 12-minute matches early on the card, um, then w I think we'll know that really quick because then him and Jeff Cobb will just have a match, and it'll be really good. Uh, but I think Cobb, Cobb wins. I think Cobb's going to dominate through this tournament. Um, as I've kind of said, so I think that um, you got to kick him off strong in that way. Yeah, I could see Chase doing a gimmick in this tournament where he tries to package pile drive everybody, and that kind of what makes him lose all his matches. So I can see him trying just really to lift Cobb and the package pile driver, not get it, and then Cobb just wrecks his day. Uh, so yeah, Cobb gets a win. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you go from a package pile driver to the tour of the islands? That's a tough counter. I'm not sure, but if anybody could figure it out, it would be Jeff Cobb. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> figure out just his arms and just the right place to like pick him up out of that, out of being being, you know, bent over like that. Yeah. Awesome. Maybe, maybe he like reverses into a backdrop, but like mid backdrop, he like presses him up, catches him, and then does the tour of the islands. I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. Uh the next matchup we have Cole Skull Sonata versus Tamatonga. I think Sonata wins this. I think Sonata comes that strong. I think this, the story is that Sonata was a finalist last year, so um, they keep him strong through the the front half of this tournament to remind people of that. Um, 
and again, hopefully this is another one of those just a match matches that, you know, and Tamatanga shows up and hopefully this gives us a clue of what those particular, you know, Tamatanga and Chase Owens are going to be doing through this tournament. Yeah. I'm also going to go with Sonata here. Uh, I think Sonata's going to be another one of those guys that's going to be fighting towards the top of the block. And, but yeah, it's going to be a good sign to see what both of these guys are going to look like in this tournament. Then the semi-main event, we're going to have Hiroki Goto versus Taichi. The G and G one stands for Goto. <laughs> uh, I'm going with Tai Chi here. Uh, uh, like I said, I'm finding the big dangerous Tekker man here, and I think he's going to have a really good G one tournament. And I think Goto's a great guy to kind of start off with. Then that's going to lead us to our main event for the first B block night: the Ace, the IWGP US Heavyweight Champion Hiroshi Tanahashi is going to take on Kazuchika Okada. See, I think Tanahashi wins this, even though I think Okada wins the block. And I think that's just purely because I think Tanahashi's hot right now, and uh, frequently in the G1, the winner doesn't start strong. So I think maybe that's the story with Okada. Um, Obviously, these guys, generational rivals, they can go either way. Um, I, I won't be, like, shocked. It won't be a rainmaker shock. If Okada wins this match, but um, I'm picking Tanahashi to create the element of doubt. Yeah, I'm I'm right there in line with you. I have Tanahashi uh, getting Okada, beating Okada on my bracket as well. All the reasons you mentioned, he's IWGP US champ. He's coming in hot. Okada's coming in cold. Um, so yeah, I think Okada's going to have the kind of the long run to get to the finals, and so. Yeah, I think the Tanahashi upset, like I mentioned, night one, there's a lot of upsets. And yes, you know, it's not really quote unquote that big of an upset because these guys have both beaten each other. But, you know, Tanahashi is older, kind of on the downswing. While Akata's still pretty young, he's the current, you know, the real ace of the company. And so Tanahashi beating him at this stage in both of their careers is definitely going to be an upset for night one. Let's do it. Yep, so that wraps up the G1 preview. We'll be back next week to review those uh, first two nights, and also we'll be reviewing the whole tournament for the next month. And don't forget to enter our contest, socialsuplex.com slash G131contest. Get your picks in. You have until the opening bell on Saturday morning to get those picks in. Remember, first place prize, $50 pro and tees gift card. Second place, Lions Pride by Chris Charlton. And third place, King of Strong Style by Shinsuke Nakamura. So now let's talk about uh, New Japan Strong real quick. So this past Friday, we had the LA Dojo Showcase number two. Uh, did you guys to check this show out, Chris? I am behind on Strong, ironically, because... Um, as of this week, I'll be ahead because I was there for the tapings. <laughs> um, so, no, I did not. I didn't have a chance to check that out. Uh, really good show. I thought the showcase was better than the first showcase they did. The uh, show opened up with Kevin Knight defeating the DKC. Nine minutes and 44 seconds. Um, those guys are just getting so much better. And kind of a big deal, Kevin Knight being DKC this time around and making some real strides there. Uh, the, the second match, it was Clark Connors defeating Alex Coughlin, 10 minutes and 44 seconds. We've been seeing Coughlin in these uh, trial match series, a special singles match challenge that he's been doing. And another really solid matchup here. These guys obviously know each other so well and just sort of really hard hitting. Uh, and Clark ends up getting the win here. 
And then the main event, which I just absolutely loved, it was Ren Narita defeating the Alpha Wolf, Carl Fredericks, 12 minutes and 38 seconds. Narita just looked so great in this match. Hits the uh, Narita special belly to belly suplex. To me, I th- I, that's kind of an upset win uh, because Narita's still, you know, rocking the black trunks. He's not really, you know, created this whole persona or gimmick yet and beat the established, you know, Alpha Wolf, Carl Fredericks, who's been, you know, out, graduated for over a year now, kind of the top guy in the LA Dojo. They've had history in the Young Lions Cup, which Carl Fredericks won in 2019. So just a uh, really, really good matchup there. And then post-match, we had uh, Fred Rosser coming out and challenging Ren Narita for Fighting Spirit Unleashed, which obviously is already taped. Chris, you were in attendance for that, and that will be coming up uh, down the pike here for New Japan Strong. It's worth the hype. Yeah, uh, it's worth it's it's worth the build for sure. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, like they've done a great job heating that rivalry up, and I just mm-hmm. I love the trajectory that Ren Narita's on right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, Narita looks awesome. He's got to be on the cusp of coming back to Japan and and showing up for for something. Um, I don't know exactly what that looks like. I don't know if he's heavyweight, right? I think mm-hmm. right. Uh, I, I feel like it could be either way. I feel like he right. might start junior. He might start junior and then and then bulk out, I guess. But yeah, he is he's great, good, really good, strong professional wrestler. And if he's going to take on kind of a Shibata style, um, maybe he never loses the black trunks, right? Yeah. Like may, maybe maybe that's just his look. Maybe because he he's one of the first guys who I quote unquote went on excursion and he went on excursion to the LA Dojo and didn't change his look at all during his time away. So maybe this is his look. Maybe he's going to do kind of a shoot-style thing, and he doesn't need the uh, he doesn't need more than just the, the black trunk look. So, But, yeah, I, I, he's, I don't think he's quite to heavyweight, which is why I was a little surprised when he beat Fredericks here. Right. Um, he also beat Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson. Right, right. That was a great match. Yeah. Yeah, that's a match to go look at. Uh, for sure. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does when he comes back. And I hope it's a lot of what he's doing right now. Yeah. Uh, we had a question here from Reddit user fit underscore beautiful 2638. says you both had Ren Narita as your number one lion of the past four years. Can you explain what made him top of the class to both of you? Any Narita young lion matches I should go watch. So, Chris, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Josh and I, we kind of ranked out our young lions and. Uh, Ren Narita was on the top for us since we started watching. So since like 2017, everybody, every young line that we've seen, uh, Narita was on top for both of us. And for me, I just think, like you mentioned, he just that, has that Shibata element to him, just very hard-hitting, very snug. Um, you know, he, he's a wrestler. He goes out there, he throws chops and suplexes and ground and pounds. And I just thought he's always been very aggressive, even from, you know, being in a young line through the, you know, the um, – the Lions Break shows I used to do, the Lionsgate Project shows. Um, for me, I, I love his match from the 2017 Young Lions Cup against Yagi. That's like one of the best like Young Lion matches I've seen, and that was just a, a banger match there for um, Narita. Yeah, I mean, and I think, honestly, every time he's shown up on Strong, um, he's been great. I think... I'll recommend the future match against Fred Rosser because it's <laughs> it's good, really good. Um, so when that pops up on on New Japan Strong on one of these Saturday nights now coming up, 
Um, I think it's probably on the second episode that was filmed at Fighting Spirit Unleashed. So not this week, but next week. Um, it's it's worth it. Um, that's 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 another one of those matches that can highlight that like he's ready to go. Yeah, and Rita's just always, even from Young Lion stages, this has been so awesome, and it's just been also awesome to see him grow and get all these, you know, spotlight victories and moments. So looking forward to seeing that Fred Rosser match. But like you mentioned, uh, Fighting Spirit Unleash will be Saturday, September 18th. So you get G1 in the morning, you get Fighting Spirit Unleashed 8 p.m. Eastern Time on NJPW World. This is the the season premiere they're calling it for Strong. We're gonna get. Um, obviously, new location. We're getting fans in attendance. Chris, you were there for these tapings, and just a whole new, you know, energy too strong. So on the season premiere, we're going to have the main event, the tables match between Juice Robinson and Hikaleo. Then there's going to be Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming up with Carl Fergus and Clark Connors to take on the Stray Dog Army of Bateman, Mysterioso, and Barrett Brown. Then the opener, Big Tom Tomohiro Ishii will be next in line for Alex Coughlin in the Alex Coughlin Challenge Series. Yeah, Ishii Coughlin, um, that match is awesome. Um, it was the first match of the night, and it might have kept up as the match of the night, too. So mm. um, really, really, really fun match. So I don't, I'm not going to spoil anything or give anything away. Um, I, like I said, I was, I was there. Um, the tapings were really fun. If you have an opportunity to go to strong tapings, it's not like you're sitting through like, um, I don't know, three hours of AEW dark. Like it feels like a real new Japan show. Um, if, if you're in Texas or Philadelphia or wherever else they end up going, like I highly recommend the experience. Um, I think that, um, I think that they, they did a really nice job of, of making things flow smoothly, even though they're taping three different, three or four, maybe different episodes of, of TV. So, um, yeah, really fun experience, really cool experience. So, um, and I, you know, a little more intimate than some of the bigger shows that they're going to be running in the U S. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see how it comes across on, on TV. Nice. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to these uh, tapings. I feel like strong has been one of the, the best like bell to bell wrestling shows, uh, this year it doesn't get a lot of attention, but I do think with you know getting some crowds and getting this energy is going to definitely help elevate the show. And yeah, I'm thinking about those Philadelphia tapings, man. Like you, I I got some like Southwest points. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I, I can make make this work. Phil, I mean the the Texas tapings look really good, but I can understand why someone wouldn't want to run off to Texas right now. But um, yeah. Th- there's going to be some good stuff, I think, on all these on all these these dates, and and I'm curious where they're going to go next, too. So, um, you got to figure they're going to announce something past uh, what they've got. They've got another set of California tapings, right? Right after Battle in the Valley, they got the, the Detonation Tour, right? So Texas, Philly, California, they just keep skipping me. In Chicago, man, man, you've had enough stuff in, in Chicago, <laughs> man. <laughs> I know, but clearly it's a good market. <laughs> yeah, it's obviously a great wrestling market, great wrestling town. Um, you know, if they if they need help finding a building here in Tampa, I mean, I, I can help. You know, you know, Rocky, hit me up, man. We'll I'll help you. <laughs> I'll, I'll point you in the right direction. We'll, we'll get New Japan here. I mean, we already, we already had New Japan here in Tampa at the beginning of 2020, but I can help them find some, some better buildings than they, they ran that night. 
Uh, so last thing here, we've got some few news items here, and then we'll go to the recommended match of the week. While I'm running through this, I forgot to uh, ask you, Chris, to have a recommended match ready. I'm not sure if you have one oh, ready. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so All you, over it. <laughs> so you, you, well, I've got one in the back of my mind. I, I just hope you guys haven't done it already. Well, honestly, I, I don't know. Josh is kind of the, the better keeper of the list and keeps yeah. track of that stuff. To me, I forget so easily. So Great. it could be something we've done. I'm sure our listeners will probably forget, and I know you'll pick a banger, so it'll Perfect. be fine anyway. So uh, yes. some news items here. Uh, Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay have been beefing on Twitter after the PWI rankings came out where Kenny Omega was ranked number one for the second time. Will Ospreay ranked number seven. A lot of back and forth between those guys. And, man, I got to say, this match needs to happen. I think there, I think a lot of people are really hopeful that travel is a lot easier in January. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, tr- coming from a main event like Okada versus Osprey, that that that's a, a dome main event right there. You want to talk about how New Year's Dash hasn't had a lot of big surprises lately? Mm. That would be dope, yeah. I mean, if they if they want to make a splash, that's probably the time. Yeah, next thing I have here, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion Robbie Eagles will be joining the Autumn Attack shows that are happening in Dallas, Texas. We also got some more matches announced for the Autumn Attack Tour in Texas. So night one, September 25th, Jay White will be taking on Robbie Eagles. So champion versus champion there, never champ versus the Junior Heavyweight Champ. Then also on night one, the Mega Coaches will reunite Rocky Romero and Rusuke Gucci. They will take on the West Coast Wrecking Crew. Then on night two, September 26, Robbie Eagles will be teaming with the Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson to take on Bullet Club's Chris Bay and El Fantasimo. And then on night two, September 26, Yu Mora will be taking on TJP. And Chris, I don't know if you've seen uh, the pictures of you more going around with the the white boots that he wore at an indie show this past weekend. I heard about the white boots. I'm excited to see whatever our boy does. Um, he's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have told the story of how nuts we went when he got that pin in um, L.A. But uh, I'm I'm following his every move. Yeah, I think we mentioned it when we reviewed the show, but yeah, <laughs> me, you, and Josh, we just lost our minds when our boy Yumora got the big win at Resurgence, kicking off his excursion in a great way, and it seems like he's tearing it up in the indies. He's going to be um, you know, a highlight here on Strong, big match of TJP, and I'm wondering if they're going to go the Renderita route. I mean, Narita beats guys like Chris Dickinson. Could, T- could Yumora beat a guy like TJP? who's not really heavily pushed. I mean, he's a, a main factor in strong, but he's not like he's a guy that's been super protected. And it could be a match he could win. It's absolutely a match he can win. It's a match he should win when we really we really think about it. Think of long-term over here. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, we already talked about the uh, battle in the Valley situation with Moxley being pulled and uh, Osprey being announced for the event and the, the start time being moved up to 8 p.m., and the last thing I had here last week on Impact, David Finley uh, got his win back over Chris Bay. But then post-match, uh, Hikaleo made his Impact debut, attacked uh, Finley and, Jay, and uh, Juice Robinson, laid them out, and there's going to be a tag match coming up with Chris Bay and Hikaleo versus Finn Juice. So any, any thoughts on the, uh, the Bullet Club invasion and Impact? 
No, I think it's, um, I think, I hope that that's an extension of kind of Bullet Club original. It seems to be that way. I'm, I'm so curious where they see Hikaleo slotting, like once he gets back to Japan. Like he, I want to see him like in the ring with Great Okan, right? Mm, like yeah. that, that type of matchup, like that could be, he could do some stuff. I think he's ready for a, you know, a run in New Japan proper. So um, he's big. Like he's, that's a big dude. Yeah. Um, and he's good. He, you know, I, the, 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 the feud with Finley and juice has been a good character builder. I think, um, I don't know that he's ever going to be like your, your work rate guy, but I think that, um, you know, getting some time on AEW, getting some time on impact, like they clearly see something with Hikaleo. So I got, I got to keep an eye on. Yeah. And that wraps it up for the news. Uh, Dom, homie, I know you had some fight questions, but we're we're not the guys for, for that. So hopefully uh, when Josh comes back, he can answer some of those for you. The last thing we have here is recommended match of the week. So last week I recommended for the listeners to watch uh, Kenny Omega versus Tsuya Naito from the 2016 G1 Climax, which was just an awesome uh, matchup there. What a what a chalk recommendation. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't go wrong with uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Kenny right. Omega and Tetsuya Naito. Uh, so, Chris, do you have a recommended match of the week for us? Yeah, I'm going to go back just a little bit further and stay on theme here, I guess. I'm going to go with the 2013 G1 final, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Tetsuya Naito. Uh, t- 2013, really, really, really good g1 tournament um and the final was the final lived up nice uh looking forward to watching that i love tanahashi and naito together they have some great matches they had a great match last year in the g1 mm-hmm. that i was hoping that was going to lead to some kind of title match between those two but didn't end up happening but yeah guys have great chemistry so definitely looking forward to uh re-watching that match for recommended match of the week uh, and that's going to wrap things up chris thanks so much for uh joining me here this week to preview the g1 uh, give your plugs out. Tell our listeners where they can find you online. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm on Twitter at the Chris Samsa. I will be posting daily G1 previews at sportofprowrestling.com, um, and they'll probably also appear at voicesofwrestling.com. So every day I will update on what's going on in the tournament and what that uh, that next cards matches um, entail what stats and and facts and figures and little nuggets that i send off to the broadcast team and and things like that so um every day a new preview um every well every day that there's a show so um keep an eye out for that so yeah sportofprowrestling.com and twitter at the chris samsa nice and uh next week we'll be back to review the first two nights of the g1 climax 31 the man behind the njpw ext danny will be joining us to review those first two nights also remember to send your audio in for the 200th episode that we're having coming up in a couple weeks and remember rocky romero will be joining us for that show so a lot of big stuff happening here at keeping it strong style don't forget to enter the G1 contest, socialsuitbooks.com slash G131 contest. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuitbooks.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. I am at Jeremy L. Donovan. The network is at Social Suplex. 
You can follow me, facebook.com slash social suplex. Also in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle on Instagram. We are at social suplex on Reddit. I'm a pro black guy. Josh is keeping a strong style. You can email me, jeremy at social suplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rachel Latta and James Boyd. We have The Grave Consequences with Caleb and Maserati. 8-Bit Suplex with Josh Number 2. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. And The Great Match Generator with Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style. The Ace of podcast Ichiban, love you young boy thank you for listening to keeping it strong style we'll see you next time bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.